This is Giant. I got your visual. Come in, Mike. I'm standing by for you. Roger. I'll be there in a couple of mics. In the meantime, get him out. You are listening to the Men Among Men Stories Podcast, Episode 10, featuring myself, Hank, from Fire Force Ventures, and my lovely host, Bindu. Eh? Hey. Indeed, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. So, a little bit off the uh, beaten path today, we've been doing the past, I think, probably six episodes now, since New Year's, Yeah. Um, that have all been very military history focused. We've had two great interviews with Chris Cox, Larry Jenkins, mm-hmm. um, Peter Rangel's book, which is super cool. Yeah, and uh, we have a lot of other stuff planned. Obviously, that yeah. deals strictly with the military history, but uh, there's something that's been going on over the past few days in the news. Well, more more than the past few days, more like the past sort of few month, weeks or months. weeks or months. Yeah, and. Uh, we figured we'd address it because it kind of um, it kind of relates back to what uh, we do here at the at the Men Among Men Stories podcast, and the fact that we're probably going to get like canceled one day, and that is actually the topic of our podcast. It's about how military history and history in general is finding itself increasingly canceled and yes maligned, uh, forgotten. Over politicized, over dramatized. Yeah. Yes, there, there's. Um, I once there's a book called The Uses and Abuse of History. I never read it, but <laughs> so it's maybe not the best book to recommend. But I felt that I thought the title was very good because, uh, I mean, we here try to we we make no uh, we make no secret that we have our biases, of course, but uh, we try to portray. I think. The conflicts we cover here fairly objectively, and look at take a look at both sides' as perspective. Uh, we've we've talked a lot about the Rhodesian Bush War. We have some stuff coming up from the guerrilla perspective that we want to get into. But yes. uh, unfortunately, these days, there's history is used more as a uh, well, a way to like fundraise. A, I guess is the best way. To... Yeah, it's a it's a political vehicle. It's very much a political vehicle. So, what year was it that Francis Fukuyama? declared history was dead because i said earlier military history is like dead right i don't know if i said that yet but like basically it's it's being killed (laughs) and uh you know in that you know the way the reason i say that is because there was that very famous um essayist and and political theorist francis fukuyama Mm -hmm. i think it was 99 it was Clinton presidency. I think it was 94 actually where he declared that 2004 would be the end of history so he basically said, and, and what that meant is he thought that the great conflicts of the past, whether they be, you know, things like the Cold War or, you know, active conflicts like the Second World War, would end, uh, the whole world would, you know. With, 92. 92. I, I just consulted with God, a.k.a. Google. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it was 92, so yeah, that's, 90. that's right after the, yeah, that's right, because it was right after the first Gulf War. Yes. Yeah, because he thought that basically the whole world would slowly... And this is, again, this is the 90s. There's a lot of hope and optimism. The Cold War is finally over. Russia's, by 1991, Soviet Union has dissolved and Russia is uh, embracing democracy of a kind. And it was was thought at the time that the history that we knew, this history that, well, 
we're going to dive into today of stuff like slavery and I guess political injustices and internment and war and violence and genocides. Yeah. All these things are going to kind of slowly phase out. He thought phase out. Yeah. He thought the whole world would and yeah, there'd be some growing pains, but the whole world would slowly um basically adopt American or European style liberal democracy. He thought that, you know, communism's over, fascism's over, monarchy was dead a long time ago, other political ideologies. He didn't really count to... We were, we were going to start turning into the big-brained... We were going to turn into aliens. Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> Just, Star Trek, yeah. Federation, yes. right? Yeah. As we've seen with the past two years, especially, yes. that did not happen. No, as we've that seen with the past two... In fact, I'd say that's decade. one of the... Worst predictions in the history of mankind. Right. I, I'm and, not throwing shade. Francis Fukuyama yeah. is a bright man, but that is yeah. was one of the worst predictions I think of the history of human civilization. Yeah, it was uh, it was a little off. Yeah. What has happened though is a stranger death of history. One that I don't think he could have predicted back in 1992, especially after the first Gulf War. Mm -hmm. um, it's a it's a death of history that has come at the hands not of politicians and grand political theories per se um but from very very vocal activists i i don't want to specifically go after one side of the political spectrum or another but i'll just say activists yes that'll turn history into something it's not now to be fair, we see it more from one side than the other, but a, a lot more, a lot more, unfortunately. But yeah, but historically, and again, this is what I as coming by the book. Um, I mean, history has been weaponized by whoever's in power, right? But I think in the modern era, we're seeing it to just a completely new level with the internet and everything, and with yeah, it's another. It's, it's another, the propagandization of history. Yeah, that's probably that's I think probably yeah, yeah, the best yeah. term yeah. for it. Another yeah. another factor that just. Francis Fukuyama wasn't tracking on his the yeah. amount of information that'd be disseminated. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. Francis Fukuyama recently said, "Yeah, my predict." He, he's admitted his predictions are wrong, he's, and he thinks that it's still what he called for is still going to pass. But he believes that some of the stuff we're going to talk about today is a threat to sort of the liberal democratic order he sort of championed and predicted, and this stuff is pushing the sort of date for all that back. By yeah. the way, he's at. I think he's at Stanford now. Stanford University. Well, he sense. was. I know he he wrote it for a Harvard thing, if I remember correctly. Now, mm -hmm. everybody that has uh, had the unfortunate experience of like going to university and doing a liberal arts degree, if it's not totally insane woke craziness, you probably have heard of Francis Fukuyama. He's like yeah. a he's like somebody they 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 show you right off the bat because it explains. Well, you have to understand that mindset in the '90s to understand why we're in the every class. That was every political yeah. science class I ever was in. It's talked about Francis Fukuyama. Fukuyama. Yeah, 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 because it was a very profound um, theory back then. in yeah. in '92 when it first. Well, came it around, kind of underpinned the, the whole sort of idea of neoliberalism. Yes, is, yeah, and yes, the, exactly. the sort of um, the, the sort of post Cold War mindset. Yep, that we could go to other countries and well, we could go anywhere. Yeah. Not just other countries, but other regions, cities, whatever, and everybody will adopt some sort of liberal democracy and, yes. and be relatively progressive in some ways, and humanity would follow now this 
linear progression yes. without having to put children in mines and to have killing fields and that kind of stuff. Yes. Right? We would now have linear progression as people, right? And uh, obviously that's not what happened. But history itself is still dying in weird ways. Yes. And, and perhaps not in the way he predicted. Maybe not dying is the right word. Maybe being... It's being warped, killed right now. Warped. <laughs> mutated into something else. So my... I'd have to respectfully disagree with you. It is being warped for sure. But through that warping, a lot of these stories are dying. And this is, this is just something that I've... Especially, you know, through my work in um, just running social media stuff with Fire Force Ventures. Like, I see it a lot with uh, some of the posts I make. Some people have just no sense of history whatsoever, and they get super confused when I um, when I post things. Mm-hmm. So there, there was a there's a gentleman I I can't pronounce his last name, but his his first name was Nobuyu. Mm-hmm. He was a, a prisoner of war in Siberia and well, basically all over Russia and the Soviet Union. Right after the Second World War, he was a former Imperial uh, Japanese. Soldier, right? He's oh, a yes. paratrooper. Yeah, you remember, yeah. I told you about this. Yeah, he was That's the Nebio one who created all those fantastic illustrations. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So he yeah. he wrote, or I guess he drew like a bunch of cartoons, basically detailing his time in Soviet prisoner war camps and gulags and the experiences running into like Nazi prisoners of war and also running into political prisoners and yeah. running into Russian civilians. And it, was, yeah. it was very interesting and and powerful. Um, series of illustrations that he did. They're very good. I, yeah. I recommend anyone who hasn't seen them. Yeah, Google, Google them. Kikuchi, and, I think. Yeah, go, yeah, Google them and or, or just yeah. Japanese yeah. So Russian prisoners. They're, of war they're actually recognized by by UNICEF, and the guy definitely wasn't like hardcore, you know, war criminal or anything. No, no, he was just. I your don't average, think he, he, he was your yeah. average Japanese soldier. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to have fought a heck of a lot in the war because he was captured in 45 and I think he joined in 45 so he you know anyways I posted that and um some people started really really wigging out saying that like this is like war crimes apologia and and I'm like no why would like UNICEF recognize war crime apologia you know UNICEF is like the most meme (laughs) lefty progressive organization like what are you talking about because it's just about humans from very diverse backgrounds because again he was interned with mm-hmm. germans um and like free thinkers yeah. and and capitalists and and kulaks christians, yeah. and christians right just yeah. people that the soviets under stalin didn't exactly like and at the same time there were people that worked in the gulags and they didn't necessarily have the best time either there's a lot of a lot of women that had been mobilized in the soviet workforce because again most of their well, not most, but a good deal of their male population died in the war, so they had to mobilize a lot of women, and it was very, very difficult manual labor all the time to survive in Siberia, and it was just again, you, you have to see these illustrations for themselves, and that you know that's that's something you'll have to explore on your own. This is why we had the podcast, anyways, to introduce you to stuff, but hope that you you hopefully haven't you might may not have heard of, and hopefully will uh, look into deeper, and that'd be one of them, but. Yeah, I just had people going like, yeah, war crimes apologia. I posted another one about uh, Corporal Waverly Woodson. I don't know if you saw that one. The Omaha Beach medic who uh, saved 200 men 
and was recommended for the Medal of Honor, went all the way up to FDR's office. FDR was about to sign it, and then he died. He never got the Medal of Honor. So the, so his entire life, he didn't even get the Distinguished Service Cross, because that was the initial yeah. recommendation. Nope. So they're going to oh, give him a Silver Star. Nope. So the only one they could give him at like the unit level was the Bronze Star. So that's all he got for saving 200 men at Omaha Beach. He was on the third wave going in that day. Um, he actually performed a emergency amputation on the beach to save the guy's life. There were four guys that had drowned because their uh, landing craft had overturned on them. He refused because a lot of medics just bypassed these guys. By the way, they're, they're white soldiers. Uh, and he dragged them out of the water, CPR'd all four of them, and they all lived because he was like, I'm not going to quit. Right? So and also, to... also, I got to mention this. Yeah. He was there on the third wave. I have to en- emphasize this. When he went in, his landing craft hit a mine. He was a little bit concussed. And then they were hit direct by an artillery shell, which blew up the Sherman inside the landing craft he was on and sent shrapnel up his inner thigh, into his groin, and up all the way up his lower back. And then he started doing his medical work. Anyways, he deserved the Medal of Honor. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but when I posted that story, because it it, it's, a, it's a little bit infuriating, right? Because mm-hmm. like... Uh, by the way, though, I think you mentioned the soldiers that he rescued was white. Is this fellow African-American? Yeah, yeah. He's so black? he was with yeah. the only uh, African-American unit there, the Barrage okay. Balloon Battalion. Mm-hmm. So their job was to, to... Yeah, I should have said that, yeah. So, yeah. see, I didn't, I didn't even want to say that because it, it became... Well, it's it important became, to the context. Yeah, it, it, I yeah. guess it is, but yeah. I'll, I'll explain in a moment. I'll, I'll, I'll get there because it's, it's kind of complex. So I, I didn't want to emphasize too much that he was a bit of a anomaly for D-Day because there were there were of the many tens of thousands of men involved in the D-Day operation, Operation Overlord. There was only that one all-black unit involved, and they're the Barrage Balloon Battalion, and they're not written about a heck of a lot in the history books and stuff because they weren't a, a combat unit, even though they performed exceptionally well. Their their job was basically to launch these balloons into. The sky, these, the, you know those big blimps that you see? In yeah, the, the big pictures? observation ones. Right? They're not observation. Or no, they're, Do you know what they're for? All right, I'll explain what they're for. Basically, you launch them up, and when the Luftwaffe try to strafe you, they get confused because they're like silhouetted with the ocean. They run into them. On D-Day at Omaha Beach, that unit scored two aerial kills. That's impressive. <laughs> that is impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so those imagine boys, you're just some German pilot, and you just see a like a blimp appear in front well, of you. Well, yeah, literally they, they launch blimps under fire into Luftwaffe. That was their anti-aircraft defense for Omaha. They I scored two know. aerial I, kills. I did not know yeah, that. everyone always thinks those are like observation. But no, those are like yeah. those guys were heroes. Yeah. Those guys were absolute badasses, despite being a non-combat unit, because that's a crazy job. Like, yeah. how are you going to stop the Luftwaffe? I know we'll throw some African American like second line troops and we'll get them to throw balloons at them it sounds like a it sounds like a south park you know like when they did the the what is it the, in the old south park movie the the meat shield thing right like yeah. it, it's literally like sounds like something out of a like a like a south park or, mm-hmm. or family guy or something like a comedy skit in yeah. a show a cartoon but no that's what they actually did and they scored two aerial kills to the most embarrassed pilots in the luftwaffe were killed by them <laughs> so anyways um yeah he Anyways, I, I posted that, and I didn't want to, like, because there was st- stuff that happened. After he came back from Omaha Beach, his unit came back to the U.S. in October 1944, mm-hmm. and they were traversing through Georgia, 
and uh, locals were not happy to see them. Not only locals. This is the annoying part. These guys had missed D Day. Yep. They were all trainee white soldiers mm-hmm. in training, like in basic training, and they got off the bus in Georgia, um, just as a temporary stop because they're going to Hawaii to land in the Pacific for Op Olympic. Like they're going to land mm-hmm. in mainland Japan because they had done such a good job on D Day. Yeah. And uh, that group of like white soldiers there in Georgia were all just jeering them as they got off the bus. They didn't know who they were jeering. Yeah. But there were a lot of racial slurs and stuff thrown at mm-hmm. them, and that was his welcome home to the U.S. Uh, and he had been told at this point, he, you know, you've been given the Medal of Honor and stuff. So anyways, they ended up not deploying to the Pacific because an A-bomb was dropped twice. So their war ended Thankfully, because I don't know if those guys would have survived. Yeah, yeah, no. Because was... they, they the Japanese would have intentionally crashed in those blimps and different different story. But anyways, yeah. um, those guys... So he, he went home, Waverly Woodson, and uh, he wanted to go to med school because he had done so much stuff on D-Day, right? He'd saved so many lives, and he was trained as a combat medic, right? He's only a corporal, too, and he took charge and everything, so he, he clearly had some potential... But in the 1950s, Jim Crow, um, you know, there not a lot of black med schools. Yeah, the specific the schools. specific thing that he was told was that well, people won't be comfortable seeing a Negro doctor. Mm-hmm. So instead, he became a medical technologist, uh, and he taught um, he taught human anatomy and stuff to medical technologists for many years in various uh, facilities. He was briefly reactivated during the Korean War. He worked at uh, well, actually, the CDC. And um, the, I think the Naval Health Institute, I believe it's called, or a National Health Institute. So he worked in some pretty prestigious places. And he was, by the end of his career, he had specialized and got really, really good at diagno- doing diagnostic tests after open heart surgeries. So all of the instruments and stuff that would test, like, is this person good after an open heart surgery, which is a pretty delicate process. Yes. Uh, and that's what he got really good at. He built himself a color TV and stuff before anyone else had a color TV. Like, he was, like, yeah. cool. He was an interesting guy, but um, whenever asked, like, what, what'd you do on D-Day, he didn't really talk about it. And only now there's been some efforts to be like, hey, like, this guy never really raised his stink about it because yeah. he passed away in 2005. But, like, mm-hmm. you know. He should be posthumously. Anyway, so that's the yeah. story. And uh, a lot of people, because that, that post kind of went viral, like, started wigging out, like, America is so racist. It yeah. goes on and on and on and on. And that's... Yeah. Wasn't the vibe you were trying to set up. That's no. not what I was trying to get at, right? And that's... That's almost taking away from his actual story, yeah. you know? that's that, And that's what I see. That's what I mean by the death of history. And that's mm-hmm. why I went very tangential there. I disagree with you respectfully. I think they mm-hmm. are killing history. When, when, you, when you bring in the... Because we can talk about what happened to him during the war and all the injustices he faced and all these, quite honestly, these dipshit newbies (laughs) who haven't seen shit and haven't done shit. Probably didn't do shit in the war because think about it, June 44 and you're still still in Georgia. I don't know. (laughs) Probably they were like deployed to a ship somewhere but didn't go anywhere. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I I don't know. Like maybe maybe they they all saw. Maybe they were the most decorated (laughs) soldiers. I don't know, but. Someone's Honestly, gonna look that up and then use that to show yeah, us yeah. up. Yeah, show us up exactly. This is actually the most decorated U.S. Army in yeah. the Georgia unit. But no, it, they, realistically, they weren't, and these yeah. guys didn't do shit in the war. Yes. Um, 
you know, like, respect everybody's service, but compared to fucking... Yeah, compared to balloons, this guy who was a bloody and, war hero. Yeah, I, yeah, he was credited for saving 200 men um, that morning. He worked for about 10 hours straight with shrapnel in his, like, dick. Yeah, like... Yeah, that doesn't get a lot more intense than that. And yeah, you, you bring in that... When I, when I see just people bringing in modern perspective so same thing with with nobu uh Kiyuchi. i'm probably mispronouncing that but with him like people wigging out over war crimes and oh my my granddaddy was at like singapore and was a prisoner of war and the, what the japanese was all did was awful and it's like cool like yeah but that's yeah but we're like, telling we're not I'm telling not, we're not, we're not glorifying that exactly. we're telling the story of a different exactly. soldier exactly. who had a different experience now, and that's why i say it's not like a that's not exactly a left-right thing, but no. I think there's a certain inclination now in today's culture to just be outraged in general. And I, I yes. you know, you do see that from everywhere in the uh, political spectrum. Just be, just find something to be outraged over. Yeah. Um, as you said, like there is a when it comes to history, there's a bigger culprit. <laughs> there's a bigger group of culprits, but we don't want to totally generalize. But. Uh-huh. I think they are killing history by doing this because you don't you don't get those full stories. Well, what I'm saying basically is when I say they're <clears throat> mu- they're mutating history or more mutilating would be is they're cutting out certain yeah they're, bits. they're like hearing, for example they're hearing what they want to hear with your yeah. story again yeah. people only focused on the injustice of what yeah they only been. focus on and that and that's that and that's part, yeah I mean yes that's a bad thing that happened and we shouldn't hide that we should definitely talk yeah, about yeah and that. exactly and that's but that also like yeah. you don't also want to gloss over his service or his you know yeah that's the, the, the stuff he that's did with his white exactly. comrades exactly as well. yes. exactly because I yeah. I made that post and people. Seem to only gravitate towards those newbie soldiers yelling at them and stuff, yeah. and not like the guy had a incredible life of accomplishments as a distinguished yeah. um, SME in something very very complex that most of us are not involved in. <laughs> and, yes, yeah. and and uh, I don't think it, most of us have the capacity to do that. And he did that at a time when he was told like, there's certain things you just can't do. And he went like above and beyond what he couldn't do. You know, he he yeah. took things to the next level in his career and worked at very very distinguished like, places. Was it uh, not military history at all? But it was a bit like Andrew Carnegie, who started out as like a dirt poor yeah. Scottish orphan and became like the richest man in America. Yeah, and I like think it's a that's story what, like that. Yeah. That's what I really wanted to focus on. Is like yeah. the guy didn't really raise that much of a stink about not being awarded the Medal of Honor. He barely. He he did an interview towards the end of his life about what he did on D Day, and he was just like, "Yeah, we got we got hit by a mine, and uh, we we went in, and yep. you know, I worked for a few hours. Yeah, I got the Bronze Star. That's what he said. That's yeah. it was like I think some like five lines in the in the book I read because other guys were given like essays worth of like because it's their account of D Day, and that's but for him he was like, "Yeah, I worked for a few hours." Doesn't even mention. Oh yeah, he does mention like. I was wounded, but it wasn't that bad. He doesn't say where. Yeah. <laughs> but man, like, seriously, with... Yeah, I'm lost for words when, when I think about it. But, um, yeah, a lot of people were focusing on um, on certain aspects of the story and completely neglecting, like, this guy, despite the circumstances. And that's, I think, what history is what we should focus on a little more to draw some lessons out of. Like, what... We understand what the... Um, limitations are of people over during different periods of time 
what the biases were at the time, what mm-hmm. what um, uh, perhaps were the injustices of the era, but how did what did they do to overcome, right? Yeah. And uh, I, yeah, that's that's how always how, how I've looked at history. It, it's sometimes it does make your blood boil. You know, you see something that's like not not cool happening, mm-hmm. and you know, in the case of the, the Imperial Japanese Army, like my my grandmother was a Chinese female in her 20s in Nanking during the Second World War, where they raped and massacred many hundreds of thousands of female Chinese civilians. Um, and and the, the, the pictures are absolutely horrendous, right? If, if uh, you want to look them up for yourself, the rape of Nanking was a real thing. And there's still there's issues with the Japanese um, denying that it ever happened today. I have no issues giving you know, props to somebody who made really good comics and happened to be an Imperial Japanese soldier. I'm not yeah. going to, like, I'm not going to start, like, bawling my eyes out and go, how could you, how could you have served there and there and, and all that stuff? Well, it's a bit like um, a lot of people these days expect things to be black and white. Like, and, for example, this was one of the the earliest things I read, and I think I brought this up in a New Year's uh, podcast, is people even bad people are complex and they're closer to us like everyone a lot of especially younger people i meet today think that if they lived like you know back they would have opposed slavery or they would have you know been against colonization and i'm like you probably would not have you might have been a, a very decent person in other regards but you're you're not um and it's a bit like uh a bit like how, especially I find Americans look at the Civil War now. You either have to, and especially how the the South is looked at, you either have to be sort of like a, a Confederate flag wearing sort of, you know, the South did nothing wrong stuff, or you're like the South, the post antebellum South was like literally Mordor, and it was like the most evil <laughs> thing to ever exist. I'm like, no, neither of those is true. As always, it's somewhere in the well, middle. Robert E. Lee was Sar- Saron. Robert e. No, Saruman, better, because he kind of looks like Yeah, Saruman, Robert E. Right? Lee, yeah. Christopher Saruman. Lee should have played Robert E. Lee in a movie. That, that would have looked very yeah. authentic. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that, yeah. Um, we, on that note, um, like, what's been happening... The reason I guess we're doing this podcast today, and again, it's out of, I guess, out of the norm for us to some mm-hmm. extent, is there have been a lot of like church burnings and stuff, and a lot of protests, and a lot of statues being pulled down in recent days. A little more than the norm, but like over, over we've seen this kind of over the past two years. Yes. It's been getting quite dramatic in the uk obviously all the the churchill statues are vandalized and stuff mm-hmm. and colston statue the colston the river, or the, the harbor actually I should say. yeah the colston statue thrown in the harbor um in south africa roads yeah right roads will fall yeah. um, well that's actually in a uk that's thing in the UK too, too. Yeah. yeah now that's so, so far has not been successful but yeah but it you know it's they they want to yeah not use the word they Groups of people. Groups of people. I, I don't want to antagonize, like, 50% of the population of maybe the planet. Because it's, you yes. know, because some people have progressive views, it's fine. But groups of people do acts of vandalism and basically justify them by by citing, citing history. Citing his, yes. Yeah. Citing bits of history, like, you know, mm-hmm. I saw with emphasizing certain bits over, over other bits. And, and mm-hmm. through that, like, you were literally... 
destroying history. And that's, if we go back to uh, antiquity, that's why we are missing large chunks of what we understand about antiquity, mm -hmm. right? It's because things were, nations were conquered. Yes. Things were destroyed over time. Look at the Neo-Assyrian Empire. They were, they pissed off everybody so much that... Yeah, it was destroyed completely. It was, it was run to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're still... But, that being said, right now, as, as of today, and that's that's kind of what we're doing, is we're going through this cycle again of destroying history, in a sense, to almost rewrite it, and, that, and then it no longer becomes history. It becomes... Propaganda. It becomes Julius Caesar's conquest you know, of Gaul. Conquest of Gaul. Yeah. It becomes um, Herodotus's narrative of the Greco-Persian Wars. I'd, yeah. You know, the Greeks were such great heroes at like Thermopylae, yeah. and, and we, the we Persians, were evil, yeah, Persians were evil and hopeless, and we killed a million of them. Yeah, we yeah. killed a million with three hundred Spartans, and yeah. uh, we know that's not true now. We know like yeah. it's it's clearly Greek biased. Yeah. And that's why, I guess, ancient history is now like it's it, it's a it's the field of classics. Yeah. And you take stuff with a grain of salt, right? You don't believe this million man narrative thread, and and when you look at it historically, you it, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, insert joke about Carthage here. <laughs> the one to ask. But uh, yeah, you know, you 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 do take things with a grain of salt, and you you look at things skeptically, especially if they're thousands of years old, but. Unfortunately, what's happening is we have to look at things that are happening now almost with the grain of salt. So the reason I mentioned church burnings earlier is because they were um, at, at least in Canada, right? We've mm -hmm. we've been we've been dealing with a lot of church burnings in Canada is because of these discoveries of mass graves, basically as as far as the media is kind mm -hmm. of spinning it of children that died in the residential school system in Canada, which was basically an effort at the, at the onset of confederation to kind of uh, anglicize or and Christianize, Christianize the, the Aboriginal population. It yeah. was, it was to quote uh, John McDonald, basically to beat the Indian out of them. Yes. In, in some cases, quite literally it was, yeah, they, they yeah. were not, they were they not well run schools. They had not that schools of the era were, like particularly nice places because cor general, corporal yeah. punishment was around yes. till I think the seventies or eighties. Like mm -hmm. it was like cool. Yeah, and the well, rest was like, like schools... not, not cool, but it was like allowed. Like yeah. maybe not in a grand scale. It probably slowed down by then. But I know, like working yeah. in well my field where I used to work, like there were I heard stories from teachers that uh, school teachers that started their careers like in the seventies. And depending on the school, sometimes it was still appropriate to, like, to cane kids and, Oof. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, not a, not not in the not like we're not talking Oliver Twist here, yeah, which I know you want to talk about today, but um, def like it still happened, yeah, right? No, Maybe it still. Ha I, I don't think it happens today. You, you you get a lawsuit. If I remember correctly, the last residential school I think closed in the nineties. Now, the one in the 90s operated probably a lot differently than the one yeah. in the, the... Most of the ones we're talking about, which were... Yeah. The residential they, school They took them away system. from home, basically. They were based... They were, for, they they were, were like forced boarding, boarding schools. schools. Forced boarding well, schools. Were they forced or were they... I actually don't know they if were, there was... They were... 
I think some of them might have been voluntary, but I know a lot yeah, of them were forced. Yeah, a lot of them were. Because, of, again, it was that, it was the policy of these schools was, yes, you know, beat the Indian out of them, quite quite literally. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's what they wanted. And, yeah, no, um, it was to... and, and at times, like, if there were situations with the parents, they would, like, forcibly adopt these kids out to, yes. like, mm-hmm. you know, um, European families. Australia had a similar situation yeah. with what's now called the Stolen Generation of Aboriginals. Yeah, and, and in both... In both cases, the idea was to basically forcibly assimilate the indigenous into European society, make them Christians, make them learn English, and in some cases French, um, and basically make them European. Yes. Uh, Completely acceptable mindset of the, in the era. Yes. Uh, well, and what right. also, John A. MacDonald, our first prime minister, who also was the first man, I think, to grant the vote to uh, adult Aboriginal men, thought that basically you could just... He wanted everyone in Canada to basically be the same. Yeah. Change, you know, like, the idea was at the time that, you know, Anglo-Saxon, British civilization was the most, was the highest, uh, most developed on the planet, and the objective of a civilized man should be to make everyone else like him. Nowadays, we view things differently. Yes. Times have changed. And in the future, we will also view things differently. In the future, we'll view things differently (laughs) again, yeah. But we'll we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. Um... So we are getting churches and statues and stuff destroyed as a response to this because of uh, these these graves that are being discovered right now mm-hmm. are either lost or not recorded. And the I guess the popular narrative right now is that a lot of them are secret in some way right that's the perception right now now there's more information coming out and by the time we record this there might be additional information a good number of these graves are now just like known they've been proven as like we we knew that these existed global news reported that at least one of these sites and presumably more are just regular cemeteries maybe not well-known cemeteries but cemeteries where the headstones which were made of wood have rotted away that being said, it didn't stop people from tearing down statues of Queen Victoria, uh, Queen Elizabeth, who is the current head of the yeah. Canadian Armed Forces, and the and head current Canada, head of Canada as a state and yeah. the Commonwealth. Um, um, yeah, it's it's gotten kind of crazy. A statue of uh, Cap or um, uh, Cook was torn down. Yeah, a in, statue of Cook in in Victoria. Cook has nothing to do with residential schools. Ever no. he died like over a hundred years before the first one was ever built. Yeah. Yeah, but his his uh, statue is torn off and thrown to Victoria Harbor. So that being said, like the death toll, and I know you want to talk about this. The death toll, obviously, of uh, do you do, do you remember what the actual one was? Because we we're, we're talking. I have about it right before. here. Yeah. The so about a hundred and fifty thousand First Nations, Métis, Inuit, Aboriginal in general children went through the Canadian residential schools. Out of that. The number of deaths that we have is officially 3,213, but it is possible that there are more, and certainly with some of these graves, they, again, because they're unmarked, we're not sure who's who. It could yeah. be it could be higher. Now, it's probably not... I heard one uh, claim not so long ago that it might be high as 30,000, that seems a bit unlikely for me, just because we're if you're starting with a number that's ten times smaller than that. But so why are we talking about this? Where are we? Are we 
trying to like trivialize this? Are we no, trying I don't to, think we're trivializing. Are we, are we trying to are we trying to say that uh, this was not an injustice? Are we trying to make that point? Are we trying to? No, no. Uh, are we are we trying to say like oh no that these people being compassionate over the deaths of children are acting irrationally? Uh, not really. That's not what we're trying to no. say. No, we. And how does this even connect to military history? Because, well, that doesn't. Because this is like this was a domestic policy that happened uh-huh. in Canada in the 19th century. This was something that, and in you know, the, like as you said, the last residential school in Canada closed in the 90s. Why, are we, why the hell are we talking about this? Oh, it's because it's that same mentality has, in many ways, affected the study and discipline of looking at military history as i mentioned with my experience just again these are just like social media posts but it's that mindset that's perpetrated i guess yeah. right in the uh what's what's the word for it like uh advocated in in the west is to is to take sound bites yes even though sound bites did not exist but you get my point yeah. sound bites of history tidbits of yeah. history the the now this History yes. version, right? Yes. And and use that to, um, and and of course, and also bring your modern sensibilities into it. Not that your modern sensibilities are inferior or or previous time periods had better morals or ethics, right? Things evolve, things uh-huh. change over time. Because as we we're talking about earlier, like we could be looking twenty years in in the future at this time, twenty twenty one, and saying. Things we do are barbaric. I know you wear glasses, and we we're talking about this earlier. Like maybe glasses actually, like I don't know, give people cancer or something. We didn't, we didn't know, right? We don't know. Like well, it's things like, like we, we, learn, we stick right? our elderly in old age homes yeah. and never visit them. Like that, yeah. I think. Yeah, that'll I think be, maybe that'll, in twenty yeah, years. Yeah. That'll be considered like they used to. It'll be considered like you know, like abandoning your dog. Yeah, yeah, like just it'll, it'll be looked on like starve, the like, Yeah, because we used to. You know, we, there used to be serious discussions and actual operation. There used to be actual lobotomies. People used yeah. to, when when you were hyperactive, they would cut out a piece of your brain. Yeah, which is psychotic. But I'd be screwed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, man. I think they did cut out a piece of your brain. <laughs> but <laughs> I digress. Like uh, things change over time, and yeah. and we have to acknowledge that when we look at history. I I can't. Now, it'll still be like my blood boil to think about something like what happened to Waverly Woodson getting yelled at. Because there is a racial thing, but obviously, like, these, it was like a really... It was from, like, morons who didn't understand that these guys had just come back from Omaha Beach, right? Yeah. Like, that, that does make my blood boil, but it's at the same time, I'm like, yes. But in the 1940s, if I was a white soldier in Georgia, I probably would have joined them. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's just yeah. things change, right? Well, and, and I, 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 like it still makes my blood boil. Yeah, but I would rather reflect on what did Waverly Woodson do after the war, mm-hmm. right? What did he accomplish, and what did he accomplish on Omaha Beach, and how did he take it? And he took it. He took it rather stoically. He just walked by. He didn't start a fight. He didn't pull down their statues. He didn't. Yeah. You know what he did? He he worked his ass off. And became an expert teaching rooms of hundreds of, you know, these guys, their 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 grandchildren and grandchildren. He was probably performing fucking open art surgery on them. Mm-hmm. That's what he did, you yeah. know. And I think that's that's what we should 
focus more on history. Right. And um, now this is this is what's happening in Canada, yeah. right? Yeah. And I again, and again, like certain things still make my blood boil, but like I've I've been to a you know First Nations mass grave, and that's the the Dumbau Industrial School, where of the four hundred students there, uh, seventy three died over the course of the school's existence. Only four hundred students ever went there. That sounds like a World War One casualty rate. Seventy three of these kids died because the school was run so poorly. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was run so poorly that this entire system that was like, we're willing to use corporal punishment and we're willing to use very coercive methods to beat the Indian out of the child, they actually closed the school because it was run so poorly and so many kids were dying. Just to give you an idea of like how bad this was, that would be the equivalent of, you know, this is way more extreme, but this is like, a, a Soviet commissar saying like this gulag is run so poorly we're going to transfer these people to another gulag like that's that's yeah. how crazy that you know Dunbow situation was there and unfortunately a lot of these kids were buried in graves that were that had temporary gravestones the gravestones rotted away and actually in 2013 when uh, the city of Calgary and southern Alberta was flooded a lot of these graves washed up uh, because of erosion and stuff so they mm-hmm. like there were coffins and small coffins unfortunately sticking out of the ground they're all children all under the age of i think 15 or 14 they're all little kids these little tiny coffins started sticking up out of the ground and uh they didn't even know at that point the landowner who i actually know wasn't aware his grandpa probably was but the information was lost but he was like what the hell are these and they did a they did a study you know i think it was a decade ago now that these are this is a mass grave, 73 kids. They reburied them, well, what they could find, because a lot of it was washed away by the river. Um, and they reburied them, and it's actually just an hour away from our city. Mm-hmm. This, this like, mass grave of these, these little coffins. And it's a very, you know, sad place to be. I'm not sure. I, I, I can't really trivialize it, because you... If you if you visit you know if you go there um, there's something there's something about the place that's that's haunting and I, I've actually the, some of the buildings have now collapsed but I was I'm a bit of an explorer I I went in them before they collapsed um, this was probably last year just to explore them and they're they're haunting because this is places where these kids uh, probably died of things like influenza and pneumonia scarlet um, fever scarlet fever uh, in the 1920s and it's it's yeah, it's yeah. very haunting to be there. It's if anybody that's been to you've been to like the Killing Fields. I have been to the Killing Fields of Cambodia. Uh, yes, I've you know been to Vimy Ridge and stuff. Like where any any place where a lot of people died. It's some there's something about those places, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, in no way would I ever want to trivialize mm-hmm. what these people went through and any of the abuses that happened to them. But at the same time, I want to know the stories of the people that despite this were able to find success and, and do things successful with their life. Slightly different take on why I was bringing up the numbers. I, I agree with everything you're saying there, but... You just the, disagree. Well, the, no, I'm, I'm adding something on. Yeah. The issue is not that, oh, like, you know, no, quote-unquote, only 3,000 people died. That means it's not as bad as 30,000. No. What I'm, what the point of this podcast is for me is why would someone say it's thirty thousand when, yeah, the 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 the, the likely estimate is you know around maybe five thousand, or four thousand. Uh, and the reason is is because it's you want being a fucking excuse to rip down a statue and it, vandalize it. Exactly, it's being used as an excuse for contemporary political 
movements. Yeah. And to, and to rewrite that history yeah. to mm. no longer reflect that the First Nations people have done things in the past that made them very successful in the North American continent, dating back to like the first contact with the Europeans mm-hmm. and dating back to, you know, look at, so back to relating it back to military history. Like there is stuff, I guess in the mainstream that does discuss guys like Tommy Prince and Francis Pega. I'm not going to pronounce his last name properly. Pega, Pega, yeah, he was the sniper who killed the, the a lot sniper. of people. Yes. Very effective, the most effective Canadian sniper of World War One, right? Yes. And uh, Henry Norwest, Ducky, Ducky, who was a local, right? Yeah. Um, who, I think he was 50th Battalion. And I've actually seen his rifle before, but Ducky killed like dozens of I think it's of Francis Pegagawa. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't quote us on it. Don't you, quote us. You can Google, yes. just look up Francis Sniper World War One. But uh, yeah, and, and like Henry Norwest, he was another, he was Métis. And they called him Ducky because apparently when he was in London, uh, all the women would hit on him because he was like really attractive or something. I don't know. He's like exotic, right? He was mm-hmm. to them. I don't know what the deal was, but all these women like hit on him. So because he was, he had a wife and kids back home. Um, he was very interesting. They, he had to like duck them. So they called him Ducky and he kept <laughs> ducking the Germans and they were never able to get him. And he went out on one last mission to basically coach some new guys in no man's land, he was killed in action. His body was never found. He's still missing. And that happened not too long before the end of the war, right? Yeah, it was like nineteen eighteen. It was like right, like two months before the war ended. He was like, they were like, he was like an instructor in the the, the like the sniper cadre or whatever that they would have had uh, with with his battalion. And they're like, can you go out with these? He was, well, I think he like volunteered. He was like, yeah, I'll go out with these new guys and make sure that you know they they know the ropes because it's dangerous out there. And yeah. he didn't need to go. He was like 37. He had a wife and two kids, uh, but he he was like really old stock Canadian, and I I like I love the story of of stories like that because like I say the name Henry Norwest. He didn't actually have a last name. He he joined the army initially under the name Henry Louis. He was a former Royal Canadian Mounted Police, or sorry, Northwest Mounted Police. So for those American listeners, like he was a Mountie. So the guys in the Red Surge and. Yeah. the Stetson riding the horses. He was one of those guys. Mm-hmm. He joined the army under the name Henry Louis. Even though he didn't have a last name, he joined the RCMP under just the name Henry. And uh, he basically was an absolute shithead and got kicked <laughs> out of his regiment. This is in 1914, by the way, when they're yeah. taking everybody. But anyways, he got kicked out of his regiment. So he like joined, a, a, I think, an Alberta regiment. And he, uh, and then he was like, shit, like, I don't have a last name. So they're like, well, what is your father's last name? He could have used his father's last name because his father was French, Louis. But he's like, that's the last name I used last time. So he's like, uh, uh, and he's from, at the, he was born in the Northwest Territory. So he's just like, my name's uh, Henry Norwest. Mm-hmm. And they're like, whatever, we'll take it. <laughs> So he didn't, you know, he was like an old stock where you didn't, didn't even have a last name. Also, he was a rodeo performer. He was super cool. Yeah, and then he, he, he became a sniper, and he, he, I think he had. Um, I'll have to. I'll, I'll consult. I'll consult the uh, the Google right now. But in on the Western Front with his regiment, he killed um, a lot of Germans. Let me get his exact uh, count. Yeah, fifty nine kills. And one of only 90 men in the Canadian Expeditionary Force to uh, get the military medal with a bar. So twice. Mm-hmm. And he went out one last mission. He didn't need to go on. Story like that, because that guy 
probably went through residential school. Somebody like Tommy Prince, who is another famous Canadian, Second World War and uh, Korean War veteran, PPCLI mm-hmm. and First Special Service Force. So he like basically the, the the granddaddy of like U.S. Army Rangers and Special Forces and Delta Force, like the the Special Forces unit that all Canadian and American units to derive from. Basically, uh, he was. <laughs> He was there, and uh, he probably went through residential school. His family did, and his brother served with him in the Second World War as well. And not that I want to trivialize the bad things, but uh, they pretend like nothing good ever happened. Nothing, nothing triumphant ever happened. People never overcame the idea the of that faced Aboriginal them. people in North America as just victims of white aggression. To for lack of a better word, is a gross oversimplification. The, yeah. The, um, the relationship of between, I guess, the colonizers and the indigenous was very complicated. At times it was open warfare. At times it was alliance against others. At times it was assimilation. And assimilation went both ways. There were a lot of... Um, there were a lot of, actually, uh, white um, settlers who kind of got separate this is something that happened both america and early canada would become like separated from the rest of white society and would be taken in by an indigenous tribe and i mean the term back then was going native but i mean that that literally happened hundreds of people did that yeah 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 exactly and and that created new i mean the metis are a culture of both european and native american peoples together uh same with um isn't there a group in the states that's like the metis or like just the creole the creole louisiana creole but i don't know if they're they're kind of a whole hodgepodge yeah yeah a bit of everything yeah they're a bit of everything they're an interesting people there's still some that speak like acadian french yes yeah which is kind of cool yeah but yeah why we're bringing up is and again um and we need to be accurate when describing history, like even the bad things, right? Yeah. Like we cannot ridiculously inflate a number of people who died yeah. for dramatic effect or for, you know, again, it's it's saying that, you know, I don't say 3,000 or so children are dead because no. I'm trying to minimize yeah. it. I'm saying it because that's the recorded number we have. That's yeah. the fact And now the if, if, if you do want to make a claim, right, that... Yeah. A lot less people died than said, because you know we. Well, you better have the evidence to prove yeah. it, then, right? We're we're not going to go there with a certain argument. We're not going to go certain, there with a certain topic. Yeah, but yeah. if you want to claim a lot fewer people died, right? You be, or a lot more people died, you better be able to come with extraordinary evidence. Yes, yeah. More more so if there, you claim there's a lot fewer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you you guys can gather what we we can't talk about, but yes, that's the thing, like. There are, as a result of this mindset now, and as a result of this, not just creeping in Canada, but uh, unfortunately, we're, we're going to have to skim over it here, but stuff like the in the U.S., the discussions about the Tulsa race riots, where there's issues with numbers. Oh, oh absolutely. Right? I, I would like to talk about that briefly. Okay, I, yeah. Because I, I know a little bit about this. Um, for those who don't know, Tulsa, the Tulsa race riot, now called the Tulsa race massacre, was an event that happened in... Uh, 1921 uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, T. 
TLDR as a race riot. Yeah, TL, TLDR, basically... White people and black people got, got mad at each got other. Got mad at each other, got guns, shot up each other, and yeah. basically the, the whites won and ransacked the black part of town. Yeah. But there's some... Uh, the official um, stats of, of this race riot are there's about 35 to 39 dead, and... A horrible tragedy. Horrible, yeah. One of the darkest tragedy. days in American history. And yep. there's twenty graves that they don't know if they're from the if they're from the riot or not. Okay. Um, but what has happened is we're seeing, in, and again, in places like the Associated Press and stuff, uh, death tolls of over a hundred to three hundred claimed, and there just there isn't physical evidence for that. Yep. There's also the claim that. Um, it destroyed Black Wall Street, which was a very successful black mm. Mm. Uh, part of town in Tulsa at the time. That's actually untrue. Black Wall Street was ransacked mm. during the Tulsa race ride, but it was rebuilt. And what actually destroyed Black Wall Street, ironically enough, was desegregation. A lot of these people moved to greener pastures now that they could in the 60s, and that's kind of what killed this sort of thriving sort of black community in mm. Tulsa. But yeah, and it's just, and again... Now we can, by the way, you, just you saying that, that there is no evidence for that many bodies, basically, yeah. is is already edgy as, as yeah. heck. Cause well, it, it's, it's, it's infected this this whole mindset of yeah. the fact that they're willing to do that with, in Canada, in our case right now, the very present thing is this, the, the amount of kids dead in residential schools, and they're kind of weaving together a certain narrative right mm. and the same thing happening in the united states yes. and on top of that things like the 1619 project which yes. is claiming that america started with the, the first, first black slave which is nonsense i mean the first i can see somebody saying america started with you know indigenous tribes or i could see someone saying america started at you know um what's what's the the settlement Leif, that's Leif Leif Erikson, or yeah. or the settlement that uh, what was the first settlement that disappeared? Roanoke, colony of Roanoke. Roanoke, okay. Yeah, or or some of the. Well, I mean, I could I could I could make that argument for there's theories that uh, the Chinese made it to the Pacific Coast. So yes, I could, yeah. I could I could theoretically LARP like you know Chinese number one. We yeah. we we, <laughs> but, we are the true. But Americans. I'm sorry, America is bigger than right. just African American yeah. slavery. So you can't argue that like I don't yeah, see unless you're saying like the Black American experience started in 1619. Sure. You could, but claiming that that's the entire so, American experience right. is just the, my. Yeah. Anyways, I know I sent you off on a tangent, a rant yeah. there, but like, you, it does piss us off that all these things are kind of happening at once. So there's all there's again there's a little bit of rewriting going on because yes. it, it, it's pretending that the American experience started there. That's a little bit of a rewriting, I think. That, that's that's and, a complete rewriting. <laughs> and there, that's uh, a naked rewriting. <laughs> that's an obvious rewriting. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, and. We also have the situation with like the residential schools and the fact that they're not rewriting, but they're picking certain points. Yeah. They're picking certain points, well, or or they're just again making extraordinary claims. Yes, that's what I'm. Not a heck of a lot of evidence. Yes. And if you try to have some sort of discussion about it, like what is the, uh, you know, where where is this coming from? Where's this information coming from? Yeah. You are now automatically cancel you've now violated the terms of service of youtube or facebook or whatever yes. or or so you'll get banned off a lot of social media platforms maybe youtube or whatever or have your website pulled or your blog pulled or whatever uh 
de- depending on what the flavor of the week is, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on how offensive your comment is perceived to be. And that's very, very unfortunate. And there are certain topics that we had been discussing right before this podcast. There, there's a big one that we don't really want to get into. Yes. but there's Even though it's a very important historical yeah, event. Yeah, but yeah, yeah no, we're no, not it's... even that far from the mainstream on it, but like... We're, we're actually with the mainstream on it. In fact. We're with the mainstream for the yeah. most part on it. Yeah. We have like a mainstream viewpoint that we can't even like yes. espouse because yeah. of because if you get things wrong on certain things, you are offensive. And we're honestly, this is this even recording this podcast, we're a little worried about that people yeah. will come in and, and soundbite like saying that we're trivializing. Yeah. the deaths of people or yeah. whatever or, or you're okay with stuff. dead kids basically yeah, yeah you're okay with dead kids right they won't yeah. mention like they won't they won't mention the part where um i was talking about where i was in at dunbow and yeah the mass grave there or whatever uh and that, but, that's a really haunting place you when you told me about that i don't know if it's coincidence but i had some of the worst nightmares i ever had that night like there's i sent you pictures from it that's what it was you saw the pictures. yeah no right? there's uh, the there's a real yeah. like that schoolhouse actually Haunted so energy to that. Place. It was something yeah. weird. I was at the schoolhouse, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was messed up. It was it was creepy because there were things in there that I, I you know this is turning into a supernatural podcast now. But like there were things in there that I couldn't explain. Yeah. There was a perfectly set like table. the The table was like like terp- like a dinner table. It's perfectly set. Yeah. It had forks. It had spoons. But like the table was like rotted and the the the, the cutlery was all rusted and it, it had like been sitting there and clearly like some of it had been moved around by like birds and stuff, but someone had like set it there, probably like a hundred years ago and it was mm-hmm. just. Anyways, that whole thing collapsed now, thank yeah. God, because it was fucking cursed. Yeah. Um, and I didn't sleep well that night either. Yeah. I but I, I went like. And that building wasn't structurally sound. I was like, well, when I walked in there, I could hear like, I probably collapsed it, to be honest. Yeah. So I guess that's the one good deed I did for the world is I destroyed a... Evil haunted a table. Evil haunted building by stepping into yeah, it. But there were like... Well, it's like when I, I saw I saw in one of the industrial... Because what they did in this school is they would send the kids down into mine shafts to learn how to be miners. That great idea. <laughs> Idiots. Oh, good lord. I don't know exactly how all these kids died, but, like, yeah, yeah. literally, like, they, well, they, like, I went into the mine shaft, and there was, I shit you not, it was terrifying. I, there was a, um, there was a lab coat there that looked like it was from, like, Mengele's lab or something, and I don't know what, it was just something about it hanging on the wall. There's, like, all these, like, wall hooks for, like, a jacket, and there's this old fucking lab coat, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, my God, I'm out of here. Yeah. I, 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 so it was, it was weird, I was actually, um... I was, I was just visiting the property, and there's a there's a few people that live on the property now because it's kind of like it's 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 private property. Yeah. A lot of it is right. The one where the graves are is now property like government because it's a protected site. So yeah. there's like fences around it, but like most of where the school was is is private property, which was I was allowed on. But there's just like crazy. I think she's like on drugs or something. This crazy woman. I don't want to dox her because people because she lives at Dunbow's. Not a lot of... But she was like a... But it was terrifying because she lives inside this trailer and I think she's just... I don't know what her deal is. I remember I was just coming out of the mine shaft. Yep. And I hear this harpy out of hell. Go back! 
go back and I was just like oh my god <laughs> and I, I immediately like started like booking it to my truck it was terrifying I turned around it was just, just this crazy woman in the trailer yeah no, it's, it's screaming at me I don't know why she like but it was like it was the, like yeah. I was like I've never been that scared of like demons before but it like, I don't know the, some something about that place makes people crazy I don't know what the deal is and that's that's part of Canadian fucking history yeah. right and it's bad and it's horrible and I've faced it now unfortunately yeah. and I think I destroyed a part of it yeah. I'll take credit for it even though it probably wasn't me it was probably just years like 100 years of erosion versus yeah. you know 5 minutes of Hank with the phone exploring it um I'll claim credit for destroying it myself. You guys is gonna be taken on a car. <laughs> I destroyed evidence. I destroyed evidence. Evil Hank. Evil Hank proudly destroyed yeah, evidence yeah. of genocidal school. Yeah, but yeah no, it's yeah. like when I like again. I was yeah. fifteen. I went to uh, Cambodia. I found bloody handprints, the like the li yeah. like stains on the walls mm -hmm. in S twenty one, the concentration camp. Mm -hmm. I saw pots that were filled with human waste basically mm. that after they hung you upside down until you passed out you were dunked in that to wake you up again i i and saw no one, no one came out of there right everyone that went in there died i, I think some people survived s21 but most people were just sent to the killing fields yeah but well, no s21 i think had like something like eight survivors like yeah nine, no it's 99 of the yeah, people that went in there died insane yeah. death rate it's yeah. they yeah. photographed everyone going in too so we have yeah and there's all these yeah. like pictures of like medieval style tortures that were done there and it yeah. just it's it was not a nice place um for wearing glasses yeah yeah you, you yes no. again for you know like owning books owning books yeah being a school teacher yeah, yeah it was it's, being a buddhist monk like yeah, yeah it was now if somebody comes to you and says 100 million people died in the killing fields, you're probably still going to be like, yeah, listen, I've been there, but yeah, no, that's not. Yes. I, well, I think but, around but, a million. Even, people even killed. if somebody says like, well, they were communists though. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're freaking commies. They did kill a hundred million people. You might agree with them. There are freaking commies. Paul pot was crazy. Yeah. But you better have some extraordinary evidence if you're going to make that claim. No, I don't yes. think anyone does, but no, I don't think anyone makes the claim, but yeah, it's, yeah. and we see this with certain things, Belgian Congo, which we won't get into for sake of time, but, and other, are we going to, are we going to leave that in? Are we going to get, are we going to get terms of service violation for that? I Even saying those two I, words? I don't think so. I Belgian, hope not. Belgian Congo, I feel like is not. Yeah. Uh, we won't go into it, enough. but like, yeah. yeah, but like it's another one. Like there's, yeah, there's but, a lot. And we'd have to do a lot more research. Yeah. On there, that there's a lot of proper. topics though. It's yeah. not just that one. It's not just like. Not just Tulsa. Not it's, just Tulsa. Well, there's, there's even so many. There's Tuam, which is, I, I'm just going to briefly bring up because sure. it's connected to the residential school. The Catholic church run, ran a bunch of uh, basically homes for single mothers out of wedlock. In mm -hmm. Ireland, and much like the residential schools, or and or much like Dickensian workhouses, which you yeah. can compare to both these things, horribly high infant mortality rate. Some of the, but um, at the time there was, they claimed they'd found bodies in a septic tank, and this obviously caused a huge uproar because yep. throwing dead, like I mean, it's one thing to throw someone in an unmarked grave; it's that's bad enough. It's quite, it's worse to throw them. Were they like a infants? Tank. Yes. They're infants, yeah. But what they later found was it's not in a sewage tank. It's in an actual structure which was built, like, with next to, like, a big decommissioned sewage tank. Like, it was built so in So they actual, put them in, like, a... Uh, like a makeshift tomb, pretty much. And then there were yeah. floods and stuff, and this all got m washed together, right? The BBC is 
articles about this. It's okay. uh, yeah, it's and again, that is not a nice part of history. A lot of people, but but people reported initially, and people still believe to this day that that they were, yeah, they monks, were babies, the nuns were throwing reality. babies into septic, septic tanks. Like we have yeah. to be accurate about these yeah. things. Yes, we can't just a- absolutely. Yeah, and it's the same thing with to another example, which is is does not come from sort of a progressive. Uh, look at uh, World War One Allied propaganda, the rape of Belgium. Yes, German yeah, troops yeah. did commit atrocities in Belgium. Yeah. They did massacre yeah. civilians. But no, they didn't like. They weren't hanging nuns in churches, replacing yeah, the bells. They, they, they weren't throwing babies yeah, up and yeah. catching them on bayonets. Like yeah. they, 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 they executed like one nun yes. for being a spy. Yeah, and then this got turned into like they massacred the entire the, Belgian the, clergy. Yeah, yeah. The, the, all every Belgian was killed. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah, and part of the. Uh, that's part of the reason why some of the early uh, reports from. Again, event we cannot mention was not believed as much yep. because it sounded too much like where they told that the the Germans in the first war had corpse factories where they turned their own dead into yeah. bullets and yeah, yeah. boot polish. Exactly. Yeah. So there's shit. Unfortunately, can't talk about now because of this. Anyways, we've been ranting for about an hour, over an hour. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of doom and gloom, and obviously. If you are interested in military history, as we suspect you might be, or maybe you're just interested in, in soundbiting us and making us sound like we're evil and, and yeah. uh, what, what crimes have we committed. So we've been offensive today and we've destroyed war crime, uh, genocide evidence yes. and we've uh, trivialized um, the deaths of babies. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. We so we've those. done that. We've got that out of the way now. Yeah. We, we fully admit to it, I guess, if you want to soundbite that. And yeah. Neglect all the other things we said. But... What can you look out for when you are looking into military history so you don't fall for this trap? And again, this is not even a right-wing, left-wing thing. It's just like because of the way that yeah. military history is kind of being killed by this and, and the discipline yeah, and definitely, and, and definitely, definitely in an academic, it's being killed. Yeah, I've definitely seen way. some conservatives also yeah, misrepresent kind of, history yeah, for yeah, their yeah, own yeah, purposes. Yeah, yeah. For the so yeah. you got to look out for two main things, and we're going to kind of go on a little bit of a tangent and change the scope of the conversation now to talk about our own experiences and how we recognized and kind of dealt with these things and come down came to understand them but the first thing you should look out for i guess to to deal with this and be able to understand this is yellow journalism so i'll you want to read the definition sure this, this is the direct. Is this like a dictionary definition? No, this is this is from Wikipedia. You stole it from. I stole it from the Wiki- least biased place. The, on the least internet. biased yeah, place but, on the internet. But anyway, generally uh, is pretty good for basic things. For, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, okay. but basically, I think this would be a fairly well accepted definition. Sure. Yellow journalism and yellow press are American terms for journalism and associated newspapers that present little or no legitimate, well-researched news, while instead using eye-catching headlines for increased sales. That just sounds like the news in general these mm-hmm. days. But And then uh, um, a man named W. Joseph Campbell described Yellow Press newspapers as having daily multi-column front-page headlines covering a variety of topics such as sports and scandal, using bold layouts with large illustrations, perhaps color, heavy reliance on unnamed sources, and unabashed self-promotion. The term was extensively used to describe certain major New York City newspapers around 1900 as they battled for circulation. And 
What comes to my mind, again, speaking conservatives, uh, the USS Maine. Yeah, I was just, just going to say yeah. that. Yeah. In, well, why don't you explain what happened? Well, basically, in 1898, yeah. a U.S. warship called the Maine blew up in Havana Harbor. Cuba. Yep. Cuba, which at that point was still owned by the Spanish Empire, what was left of it. Basically, all the facts that we have indicates that this was an accident. Mm-hmm. Complete and utter, just fluke. The Spanish were no way involved. But at the time, and still after for a long period of time, because it was, like, important for, like, patriotic propaganda, it was claimed that Spain blew up the ship, and that actually because led America to... America went to war with Spain. Yeah, it led right. to the Spanish-American War of 1898. Yeah. Which, now, no uh, evidence. No evidence at all that it's... There was no the There was Spaniards no evidence board, at yeah. all that the Spaniards... They even claimed, like, the Spanish used, like, a proto-submarine to blow it up. Like, no, it was not... <laughs> Well, they had submarines at that time. They did, but they weren't. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't good. They weren't great. No, they were not. Yeah, you had you had better luck being. You you were safer in a washtub, (laughs) just paddling a washtub across the ocean. Yeah. So, Um, there was a. That's where that you know, like since nineteen hundred, and a lot and uh, a lot of um, the wartime propaganda. Now, I think even like at the time, it was like this is probably not Spain. But during the war, so 1898 uh, to 99, I think it was the war? Yes. Yeah. I might be off a year. I'm not well-versed in the war, but I do know... It was like, not much longer than a year, so yeah. you are probably right. Right. And this war took place in Cuba. It took place in the Philippines, basically the former remnants yeah. of this Spanish Empire. I think that's the only place it took place, yeah. Cuba yeah. and the yeah. Philippines. Yeah. And uh, Teddy Roosevelt Rough was there. Riders, Rough yeah. Riders, all that. Right? But I, I remember, like seeing a lot of the posters from that era and stuff, a lot of them had, like, remember this incident, remember this battle, remember San Juan Helena, remember the Maine. And that was, like, a tagline in the war, and I'm sure at some point there was some war cry where guys would go remember the Maine. Even though, like, at the time, it was already reported in the newspapers that... In uh, the calmer calmer newspapers. In the calmer newspapers, Because that's the thing. And this relates back to Tulsa, because at the time when the Tulsa race uh, riots happened... The the original figure report, and this is where the the three hundred number comes from, yep. was in the newspapers, like in New York and Texas and everything. It was like three hundred dead, mm-hmm. and then later those stories were more or less either dropped or walked back. Mm-hmm. But that's where you get the modern modern yellow journalism sort of feeding off the original yellow journalism. And sometimes it's saying deaths are fewer. Yeah, no, no, yeah, it can sometimes be. saying de- it's just inaccurate events yes. being reported yeah. in order to sell more papers. I will say, though, I think exaggeration is more common than... Just because exaggeration sells more papers. Yeah. yeah, And that's why, like, you see, like, when uh, when some sort of big catastrophic event happens in some way, right? Mm-hmm. You see very... It depends on the paper or the, or the outlet, but the tones are radically different. Yeah. And sometimes they're very, like like massive print over like nothing over yeah. like like an incident or like a bear was spotted in your neighborhood it's like that onion video <laughs> yeah, yeah. bullshit happening somewhere right <laughs> yeah and it's like it's crazy over the top and then sometimes uh you know like the miami building collapse i didn't hear about it for days mm-hmm. right and, and partially it's because they didn't have information but they you know some people were claiming kind of conspiratorially that they were like suppressing information it's like dude the building just collapsed like dude, yeah. it's going to take them a while to sift through rubble right mm-hmm. 
like 9-11 happened no one knew the death pool for quite some time because yes. again it takes a long time yeah this is a building collapse we're dealing with here which is quite dramatic mm-hmm. so yeah but I remember I saw certain um, smaller outlets and stuff get all I wouldn't say like directly because you know this is, these aren't crackpot websites just yeah. like smaller outlets but they would be a little bit they had a certain agenda like death toll still unknown yeah. questions questions remain for authorities you know like that kind of well, look at Brit- the British press is one of the worst yeah. things. This, well, like... what was the fire, the big fire that uh, killed all those people? West oh, wow. Tower. You're, you're the resident Anglo. You should know this. Yes, one. no, yeah, no. Um, but I remember that one was. Uh... Yeah, and that one actually still has unanswered questions. Not, oh, not, yeah, not yeah, about yeah. the death toll, but about basically the oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, shoddy yeah. infrastructure. Shoddy, like a lot yeah. of people died in that one. That did, yeah, the big didn't fire. need to. Didn't need. Well, I mean, no one needed to, but like the death toll was way worse because of sort of bad yeah. additions. Uh, it was a West Tower hamlet that basically went up. Yeah. But yeah, no, I remember in the original, like, even and even then, which had quite a high death toll, like the original newspaper that came out of Britain was like 130 dead or something. Yeah, and I, I, I don't remember the exact toll, but it's it's lower than 130. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. It, it well, is, yeah, it's like, high, but it's... It's high, but it's not that... Yeah, it's just... It's very, there's a lot of sensationalism. Sensationalism yeah. isn't everything. And the problem is when it get applies to history, it's very easy to be politically weaponized. Yeah. And because and that's, I mean. So you, I guess people need to recognize if yeah. you are getting some sort of a historical tidbit from any journalistic outlet. Not that everybody is guilty of yellow journal, journalism, right? No. It's not as dramatic as the remember the main thing. Because that was yes. just straight up like they, oh, they yeah. screwed up. <laughs> this, yeah. this information dissemination. Well, another, another good example is maybe the Dreyfus affair. Dreyfus, well, we could, dude, we could go on forever. Yeah, yeah. We could okay. go on forever <laughs> yeah, about sure, that. That's, like, yeah. Dreyfus affair, Gulf of Tonkin, yeah. Bay of Pigs. Yeah, yeah. There's a million things we could go, like, journalists screwed the pooch on this one, right? Yeah. We, don't, we don't need to go into all examples, but if you're reading a newspaper, you should look out for that, and you should understand always that, like... The journalist has their bias, and if you're reading your paper and say you're subscribed to them, even if they're like a smaller source, they could be a small source, or they could be as big as CNN or Fox News or whatever, you have to understand there's that element there. When they're giving you some sort of a historical tidbit, right, seriously take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Because that's... Always do a bit of your own research. Yeah, and that's, that's what we're coming back to. You almost want to look at it like you're studying ancient history now. You're looking at it like a like a piece of prose written by Herodotus about the Persians. You have to like, okay, might be true, might have a semblance of truth, might be completely wrong, right? Don't take it at face value. When they say, because I, I shit, I I I saw this um, a few years ago now, and uh, you know we'll go into this in the second part after we address yellow journalism. But like I remember somebody. I won't name him because I don't want people to brigade, right? Because that's a yeah. that's a terms of service violation and all that stuff. Don't don't harass this individual if you discover who this is. I won't mention him. And a few other people have said this, him or her, I guess. A pretty prominent North American academic, because I can't even say where he's from because I don't want you to harass this person, man, woman, her, they, whatever, whatever this alien specimen is 
They are a human, I can confirm that, but I don't want you guys to brigade them. Honestly, this point would be less awkward if you just said the name. <laughs> we'll keep that in. We'll keep that yeah. in. We had to edit a few things out here. I didn't want to um, violate any terms of service talking about this, but somebody once said the Canadian Army in World War II was an army of white supremacy. Okay, that's that's almost verbatim quote. The 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 army that went to fight Nazis in Nazi Germany was a white supremacist army. Now that's without any additional caveats, like but there were blacks and Chinese in the army. No no no, no. like it was a white supremacist army. Full stop. And then the follow up quote, and this is like verbatim. The, that no that quote was not totally verbatim, but the verbatim quote is. A lot of people disagree with that, but they're wrong. Is or that the entire yeah, 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 speech? Like, that's yeah. And the, that like was, you can make that argument if you want. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I might absolutely. if you want to say that the '40s in Canada compared to now was like a white supremacist society yeah. and include everything, include the army. Yeah, I might even agree with that. Maybe, but that's not a again compared to what we would consider it today. But um, yeah, you can't just make a blanket statement like that and not back it up and not even try to explain. Is that what you're getting at? This individual, yeah, used that be, uh, when I got doxxed and stuff to like attack me, ah, saying that really, any anything that I had posted about like you know the Canada and World War II or whatever it doesn't matter because it's all white supremacy, right? And um, yeah, that's unfortunately that kind of mindset of, of yellow journalism has kind of infected certain parts of academia. When you hear statements like that, right? Now, some people will obviously immediately get mad. You have to almost look at everything you receive, like, journalistically, or even from, like, a professional historian or whatever. There may be the intention of getting that kind of reaction. That's a very extreme example, right? Well, But people might straight up just be seeking that reaction to get known to get clicks to get attention right and this is what this guy did in that case nobody's ever called out this person publicly no other academic another serious academic and this guy or girl or alien still has tenure at wherever they work right but you 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 find this shit everywhere where there's serious sensationalism and either people get really really outraged and play into it Right, or they believe it, mm-hmm. and that's not what you want to do. So always do your own research and uh, don't don't fall for that yellow journalism. I mean, the people who doxed you said that literally, and there's a direct quote: "Objectivity when reporting on certain topics is neither like yeah, it's neither warranted, warranted nor or... wa- nor nor good warranted like nor that, yeah. positive." Yeah, and I'm just yeah. like. And these are people who got a government grant. (laughs) I know, right? Fantastic. So, so on the note of, of yellow journalism. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about another term now. And this, this does relate to what you just said. This absolutely relates to what we just said. Trading up the chain. Yes. And this is another thing that you will see that ends up infecting different things very very subtly this is the much more subtle one right because journal yellow journalism is somebody going like everybody that is a is white supremacist everybody that is b is communist yeah that is yellow journalism 
Remember the main. That is yellow journalism. We get that, okay? And and again, we can pull up millions of examples through history, yes. and then we can find that same kind of mindset infecting academia now. We can sit, find the same mindset, obviously, infecting media and movies, and there's always got to be a... I, I don't know, like a black paratrooper on D-Day. Yeah, <laughs> even though movie. there wasn't. Even though there wasn't, and they were, like, they did other cool stuff, Yeah, but they weren't there, okay? It's like, it's like when the BBC makes, like, medieval England show and half the cast is black. Like, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's, that's not it's just true. Like, it's just not true. It's not true. Maybe the actors are fucking awesome. Yeah. Some of them are very fine, but actors, but... but it's not true. It's not, yeah, what, no, it if you it's not have, what they look like. Yes, Sorry. if you want to have a fiction show, have a fiction show. Do a, right? do a fucking radio play. Yeah. Right? Whatever. Like, maybe they're fantastic. Do a fucking radio play. Anyways, trading up the chain is definitely a lot more insidious. And then eventually, it I, it's the one that a lot of people don't recognize as much. Because it's very subtle. It starts literally in crusty basements with... A thousand cats and many bottles of boxed wine and stuff. That's where these things start. It starts off with some really creepy activists or whatever infecting their way yeah. to the highest echelons of society, publications, media, and all the rest. And it can really distort your understanding of military history. And, and, history and it kind of fucks our ability to... Uh, deal with like to, to talk about stuff because we can also be victims of this trading up the chain so anyways definition yes this, where, again, where did you get this one this is from wikipedia again man we're we're just this is a wikipedia sponsored podcast yes yeah oh, they'd probably hate that but anyway um <laughs> yeah. trading up the chain is a marketing and propaganda tactic yeah. by the way we wouldn't generally use wikipedia but for stuff like this i feel it's a definition we want to get yes. like a quote-unquote nuanced definition of this. You don't want to put it... Okay. Trading up the chain is a marketing and propaganda tactic of deliberately inducing cytogenesis by seeding a message or claim in a less credible medium with the intent of it being quoted and repeated by publications or people who appeal to a wider audience. For example, um, the people who I talked about who were involved in your docs wanted their story to get picked up by larger articles. Now, yes. I think they had only partial success in that, but... Yeah, they, they didn't get everything they wanted out of it. No, they didn't get a lot. Um, but it's it's like when, for example, I'm going to use uh, two examples here. Yeah. Um, a website like, say, Media Matters in the United States, or Press Progress in Canada, which yeah. is a very left-wing, partisan organization, when they put out something, often they want it to get published by somebody like say this more mainstream like the globe and mail or yeah because someone who's a centrist on, isn't going to read like yeah they're not going to be on uh what, what what's like the super lefty like mother jones someone yes. who's a centrist is probably not going to be reading at mother jones every day and it's the right? same thing on uh, you see the same thing on the right for example yeah. one american news a centrist is not going to read one or watch one american news no way but they no might way. watch fox news or something like that which might which is a bit yeah. more closer to the center and would get uh you know talked about on that or up here you know um maybe globe and mail 
Yeah, may- maybe like the the rebel or something would. No, the rebel. Yeah, like a like a moderate is not going to subscribe to like the rebel. Yes, but you know, National Post might you know re say something Ezra Levant said, and then yeah. that gets yeah. And, and this is how it works: is people who are more have a very and you know they might not even be wrong, but they have a deliberate like axe to grind. They have a very obvious yes. ideological yes. axe to grind. Are you know, retweeted as, uh, or retweeted or quoted or whatever by a larger, more reputable source. Yes. And, th- and this is how I honestly think a lot of these sort of things we were talking about where sort of things are exaggerated or things are spoken in a distorted thing. Because a lot of these started out with very, like, fringe academics that yeah. not many people took seriously mm-hmm. and then got, you know, pushed into the mainstream. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 1619 exactly. Project being and a good example. It's... Yeah. Very problematic to our understanding of history because, again, it makes certain groups of people just be our perpetual victims, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, it's like it's hopeless history. It's hopeless history. It's like we're now in a, again, like the guy saying that we're in a cycle, like the, sorry, um, the guy or gal who said that Canada was white, like Canada, Canadian army was white supremacist or whatever in World War II. That statement does not do anything to heal any, like, racial conflict. Like, does that help in any way? Well, no, form? because it's meant to, like... Well, I know I know what it's meant to do. Yeah, right? it's, 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 meant to, it's meant to provide fuel for an activist agenda today. The problem is, is, you know, sometimes that agenda is good, sometimes it's not. And we have yeah. to be careful it doesn't, about how it doesn't, we... Yeah. The, the point is, it, it creates damage to something that should be established for, you know, everybody more or less, that, like, Nazism is probably not so good, and yeah. Canada was pr- probably morally justified sending young men to go yeah. get killed in large numbers fighting Nazis, okay? Maybe that's okay. Yeah, when when you're just destroying things and causing, causing mayhem with a statement like, when you're causing just grief, and you're causing discontent for the sake of causing discontent which is a lot of what's going on right now a lot of what yellow journalism is because they sell papers right they don't and again i hate using the word they let's say certain certain outlets certain yeah. individuals certain academics certain activists yeah. want to sell they're their gonna papers. claim we're like dog whistling they is like the freemasons or the yeah, zionists or yeah. something that's, they're gonna be... that's why i don't like using the word they yeah right they, they, the reptilians <laughs> well i will use the word they for this yeah. there are those and their goal is to do nothing but talk in their seedy little basements about some political or historical topic and then the, the last people to support their subscribe star it's very insidious <laughs> yeah. and their and their little surplus websites it's so insidious yes right and you have to just understand that you have to understand that sometimes it doesn't help not that that's what we're doing at all yeah but, but straight up sometimes it doesn't help when when so we were just to sit here and go for two hours straight like every two weeks or whatever as we typically do and just say like Ian Smith was based and short shorts FNs based yeah. and they killed so many turrors all the time Rhodesia yeah. forever Rhodesia did nothing wrong yeah, Ian Smith yeah, did okay. nothing wrong cool yeah maybe I agree with that to some extent but at the same time like that doesn't no. do anything for anybody that's no. not 
a story. That's not something that you can draw a lesson off of. That's not something that really... There's no nuance. To there's it. no nuance to it. There's no There's no human connection. There's no discussion of Chris and his... Well, our homie Chris Cox and PTSD yeah. and, and trauma. And yeah. uh, Larry Jenkins, our good friend, who we're going to hopefully chat with again. Yeah, um, hopefully about, soon. About PTSD and how... It took him decades to deal with the PTSD from the Rhodesian Bush War. It took him mm-hmm. decades and a divorce. And before he, in, uh, what year was it? I think 2011. It took him that long before he was like, I have a, you know, I have to deal with this. I have, like, I'm wired, like, in a way that I shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. His war ended in 1981 or 1980. Yeah. Right, and it took him until twenty like eleven, thirty, 30, 30 years. odd years before he was like, man, I have a problem. I mean, he had, he had already had a, a adult son at that point. He had been divorced. He had been remarried. It took him that long, mm-hmm. because that's the that's the real you know that's the real story of Rhodesia. Yeah, that's the real story. Yeah, of yeah Rhodesia. The, the real story of Rhodesia. Yeah, is it's complicated. It's, it's, it's complicated. messy. It's yeah. it's war and. Crap and, and there's, all kinds of horrible. And despite stuff. how horrible it is, yeah. and how horrible a lot of the things that happened in that war were, and how difficult it was for the men on both sides fighting it, the men and women on both sides fighting and it, and the civilians caught and, up and in the, the middle. And the civilians caught up in the middle. You can derive lessons, and you can learn things, and you come to understand things, and not make massive generalizations like Rhodesia was evil apartheid state, or Ian Smith was a demigod. You know, yes, like yeah. That, that's that's the point of this fucking podcast mm-hmm. okay i guess the point of this podcast is we're all human probably yeah. at the end of the day and war is just an exercise in yeah. the the worst and best parts of humanity exactly the cruelty the exactly. bloodshed but also the heroism and ingenuity exactly yes so that's our intent we're not trying to trade up the chain here no. we don't give a shit if yeah. national post publishes us no we don't but if you are an if activist... We, if they do, it's probably not going to be in a good life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Please don't publish us. We don't need any more attention. Yes. But when you train up the chain in a way that is disingenuous to the truth. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I mean, like, the truth, the objective truth and historical facts and just what happened to you, or what... what sorry, not what happened to you, uh, rather your your political truths right your political views and what you think should be just mentioned in the mainstream because mm-hmm. once it hits the mainstream it becomes a perpetual term so if somebody was to say uh call a certain military surplus website store a white supremacist website just once well every time it's mentioned in the mainstream media if it's been picked up by one mainstream media outlet like other mainstream media outlets are going to mention said military history, military surplus store. The truth is not online. The, is not selling the, selling communists yeah. memorabilia and shit is white supremacist yeah. run by a Chinese man too. Don't forget yes. selling Chinese propaganda literally yeah. and in communist and East German stuff and East German metals and just a s- small selection of Rhodesian stuff. He's always out of stock with anyways. Yeah, <laughs> fucking white supremacist, right? If you say that once, it gets it, it gets infected everywhere. That's how trading up the chain works, and it's just people that are very disingenuous to the actual truth are not well. I've got to disingenuous. S- the right word. 
Yes. I forget who said this, but the truth is not a democracy, okay. but public opinion sure as hell is. Which is, because yeah. the truth should never be decided by majority of people who believe it. The truth is objective, but... Yeah. Um, and it's hard to get to that truth. It takes... Yeah. You need to interview and talk to and and record dig and dig all. through archives and... Yeah. You got to um, go to mass graves. You got to dig up graves. You got you got to do what these people are doing now that are rediscovering these these now yes. unmarked graves and yes. sonar the ground sometimes. Yeah. It's nasty. Well, you have to face yeah. human and tragedy and to find the sleep. truth. Yeah. yeah, and and we should point out also on the residential uh, school thing. So far, the graves. I don't think a single one has been dug up yet. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. basically been they've discovered what their coffins. They don't know if there's children or yeah. They've discovered basically graves on lands where they used to be residential schools and possible with, grave sites with sonar. Yes, yeah. so yeah, yeah. Not saying there aren't graves down there. There's yeah, hundred percent there is graves, but we we're gonna learn more about this going forward because yeah. So right, so let's wait for verdicts before we burn things. How about yes? So you have to. Then this is the tricky one because trading up the chain starts at the level, like I said, of some crazy activist covered in box wine and eating cheese pizza, vegan cheese pizza, and uh, I was about to say I could use cheese pizza right now. Not <laughs> vegan cheese pizza. Not well, vegan, I I, but... I mentioned that because uh, the guys that doxed me meant like mentioned that they have like wine parties where they order like cheese pizza and they drink wine together and they look up evil like right wing people and uh, basically tried to like ruin their lives. They they boasted about it to a a far left magazine in Canada. That's, so I, I, I don't I, I'm not I'm that's not kind of cringe, bro. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not saying that to like denigrate like a general group. I'm saying that because that's what they said about themselves. Yeah. Right. That's literally what they said in like in an interview. Like we yeah we have like parties we get together we have wine we just do research and then and then we write these you know articles saying such and so and so is evil this private individual is evil and uh, sometimes we win awards. Yeah. Right. Sometimes Jim Acosta gives his words, and that, that's all. It's just yeah. to. So anyway, Jim Acosta, Mister Yellow Journalist. My tax dollars at work. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's that's why it's so tricky to see this one because again, the term gets so they they'll write like, or I'm gonna use the word they again. Let's say a, a, an advocate, an activist, a political agent of some sort writes a tirade. A book, a multi-paragraph thing, a treatise, a declaration, whatever they write. Generally something big. Lots of pictures, all their evidence that they found, and, and all their conjectures that they can come up with, whatever it is, with all of their bias, right? And the main, the main subject is such and such is either a massive communist, AOC is a known communist, Ted Cruz is... Literally a, the Zodiac Killer. Is literally the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> And all that needs to happen is, out of that article, they, somebody more in the mainstream or somebody with a bigger following. So maybe not even mainstream yet. So say another blogger, another YouTuber maybe. Let's go, so, so it starts mm -hmm. off at like a crappy blog and it goes to like YouTube. Yeah. And someone's like, oh, I read this article. I don't know who wrote this article. Some guy. Yeah. <laughs> Some guy eating cheese pizza. I'm here eating my, my pepperoni pizza and making it with my YouTube bucks. I'll talk about it in my video, and then and the next thing you know, there's a journalist at at at, at a local, say, uh, I don't know, ABC News affiliate or something random. Yeah. Let's say in uh, what's a weird town? 
Oh, isn't there a place called... There's a place called Foot, isn't there? I've, I've shipped to a guy. He's like... I think it's in Maine. It's a town called Foot. So let's say the a Foot... town called ABC, Foot. ABC Foot. And the journalist at ABC Foot, um, Bob Footson, who's lived in Foot all his life. You know, he's just doing some work. He's got to have a story. He's a journalist, right? Maybe he's not even like a yellow journalist. And he doesn't partake in that. He's a... But he just sees this like this one word. Uh, let's say Bindu. So activists wrote a bit story. Bindu is... Bindu, Bindu is Bindu is evil, white supremacist, misogynist, Zion, uh, Zionist, yeah. but anti-Semitic at the same anti-Semitic time. Anti-Semitic Zionist. They actually did call you an anti-Semitic Zionist. So okay, yeah, that so, was so, that was that was so, quite interesting. Uh, so say like the YouTuber now says Bindu's anti-Semitic, right? Mm-hmm. Just takes that one word and then like, oh okay. And by the way, you, you, you have like a lot of Jewish heritage, which is the funniest part. Yeah. So that's why I'm going to use anti-Semitism. That's fun. So they take that, even though, again, it's like uh, came from someone unsubstantiated. But the YouTube guy is a little more substantiated. Now he said it. And then the ABC, Bob Footson, let's yeah. call him, our, our journalist. And he's like this straight-edge guy, right? He's not super biased. He's not crazy. He's yeah. a bit of a moderate. He's a chill dude living in Foot, Foot Maine, or whatever. Yeah. Right? Weird place. Um... And he's just like, yeah, man, like, this known anti-Semite and pod- podcaster, Bindu, said this, this, and this, right? And then CNN runs a story the next day or whatever, and yeah. it's it's just, it's there. Now, the where, did the, where, yeah. where did CNN get their source? ABC guy. Yeah. That, that according to Media Matters or whatever, any, like, fact checkers, that's legit. Yeah. Right? That's legit. That's 100% legit. That's mm-hmm. fine. And if you were to not look at it any deeper, right... It'd be fine for you, and most people, ninety-nine percent of people, when they're reading a news article or something, they're not looking up every single source, right? Because we aren't investigative journalists; we work for a living. Yeah. Right. We don't sit around eating fucking cheese pizza and pretending we're Sherlock Holmes. I mean, I do, but not <laughs> n- not in regards to journalism. <laughs> Just, you mutter yourself yes. in your in your basement. Come here! I seem to have found a way to make the ants race each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I I tell you this is it's very insidious because it's hard to it's hard to determine. But you have to understand that happens, and that happens in academia. That can very easily happen because you need to have a pure so a peer reviewed article a. Something in the liberal arts that is produced in the humanities and history and political science, sociology, has to reference other works. Now, it can be in disagreement. It can be in agreement. It doesn't matter. It has to review other works. I think what what was the date that I... I think it was 1979. So, like, when I was in university, it's probably different now, but I couldn't reference anything older than 1979 because information, like, changes over time, right? So, obviously... If I was to reference, and I mean like a secondary source, I can reference like a primary source. So if I'm referencing Declaration of Independence for an American history paper or essay or book or whatever that I'm writing, that's fine. Like, who cares? But if you do like an analysis of the American Declaration of Independence from like 1777, it might not be so... If it's like a secondary source, right? There's yeah. a certain date, like a threshold yeah. that you can't... With us, it was like 19. What was your year? Yeah, it was like I, 70s. I don't remember. I, I don't remember, because I use sources from the 60s and 70s sometimes. 
Okay, but, but it was like nineteen sixty-five. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fifties were like a total no-go zone because it's just like it's a little too old. Yes, because we've gotten new information since then. What right? also like it's seen a, like again. Back then, there was a different bias. Exactly. Now exactly. there's a newer bias, and yeah. to be fair, some of my teachers were, are more comfortable with the newer bias than the older bias. Yeah. I but, don't really but, want like there to the be s- any bias. But yeah. That's, but at, that's at the same bad. time, like, yeah, you have you can convey your arguments, but you have to use like relevant arguments because those kind of it's just kind of like if you if the article's talking about like the Belgian Congo did this, this, and this, it's just like, and you're writing an article about like Rwanda today, it's just like ah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's hard to make those, you know, connections because things change over time, you know? Like, the, like, like, you know, Kosovo or whatever. That's a recent one. Or, yeah, Czech Republic is now Czechia. So if you're, like, trying to cite an article, but it keeps saying the word, like, Czech Republic, it could be about the most benign thing, like, Czech export of shoes. Yeah. Czech Republic shoes exports, and you're trying to write an economics article about it, but it's, like, the country's called Czechia now, and you keep saying Czech Republic in the paper in your quotations or whatever, it, it can create issues. Is, Czechia, is Czech Republic now called Czechia? Yeah. When did they change this? I don't know, recently. Like, like two, three years ago or something. What the bloody... <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is why you don't quote old shit, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you, when you read something, number one, read the date. It's same with yellow journalism. Read the fucking date. And trading up the chain also, like, just... Read the date. That should be the first thing you always do. When was this thing written? Speaking yeah. of uh, yellow journalism, sorry, I just I have to bring this up because yeah, yeah. there's a silent notification on my phone. Apple News Spotlight. Why it's time to start calling Trumpism fascist. Plus, how the new Anthony Bourdain doc is no hagiography. Both of those are like tension grabbing, trying to either provoke or your you phone know. Just did that. Your phone's listening to. It's trying to. It's like yellow journalism. He wants more yellow journalism. Yeah, we'll yeah. But yeah, yeah, again, like, these are things meant to, you know, provoke uh, a response, get either somebody, you know, like, rage they know, clicks they know J- Trump supporters are seeing that, and they're yeah. like, what the hell? And they'll click yeah. it, they'll be like, Trump's not fa-, and they'll click it. Yeah. And liberals will and be then, like, yeah, he agrees with me. And, and then they'll, they'll click, click it, and then, but they'll also, they'll share it, like, look at this article, so fucking stupid. Oh yeah, I know, God. yeah. Honestly, how, it's, how it's how all be, about yeah. money at the end of the day. Yeah. So much of this, the yellow journalism, exactly. the... I mean, like at the end of the day, and this might be a bit controversial, but part of the reason, like things with the Tulsa in 1619, yep. part of it's just to get more checks for like black <laughs> yeah. organizations. I'm sorry. that uh, Let's it be is. honest here. <laughs> they're, they're yeah. Just, yeah. So, yeah, and as a result of uh, yellow journalism trading up the chain and how it is, there's topics. The, the harmful thing is there's topics you can't talk about. Yes. There's topics that, well, maybe you can, but it's just like, it's not advisable. You have to be advisable. extremely careful. You have to be extremely well-read. Yes. To the point where you can't have, because if you get one thing wrong on a, on a certain fact, and it depends what country you're in. Because obviously yeah. if you got something wrong in China about um, World War II and, and Japanese war crimes, for example, you'd probably be crucified in China. Yes. Right? Because it's... it's you'd different. lose a lot of social credit points. Yeah, exactly. Yes. If you were in Cambodia and you got something completely... You just like you're ignorant and you say something about the killing fields that's ignorant, most population is going to be pissed at you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we understand that. That, that kind of happens everywhere. But in the West, we should be this society that's willing to... Well, I mean, we're the we're supposedly the countries of free speech the and free, free speech inquiry, and right? I mean, again, we we've mentioned like 
a certain historical event which we can't bring up. There are people who deny this historical event. I think that's stupid. I, I think if you do any research on that at all, you'll see, no, this is not fake. This, this yeah. is real. This happened. But I also don't think people should be sent to jail for denying yeah. said historical it's not, event, which is like not, equally ludicrous. Yeah, because yeah. Well, by the way, just really quickly, our, our hosts right now, um, Commando Blog, and uh, I'm not sure where they're hosted, but our, our web hosts, like Squarespace, is don't incite violence, don't promote violence, don't threaten or harass, don't violate laws. Yeah. And that's not what we're trying to do. And no. And anybody that's trying to look at history is not necessarily trying to do that. And no. if they are trying to do that, there's a problem. Because we, you know, yeah. we, don't, we don't condone that yeah. either. If they're doing that, they're using history for something else. Yeah. They're not just looking at history. Yeah. So the issue with yellow journalism training up the chain and creating this crazy culture that we have now is we can't talk about certain things. And the idea of... Freedom from consequence, because you said we're supposed to be "quote unquote" free society and all that. Yeah. Well, free society does not mean freedom from consequences, and I agree. It doesn't mean freedom from consequences. If I say something that is totally out of whack, right? Feel free to call me out on it. Maybe don't try to ruin my life. Yeah, that's the that's the problem. You know, like I, I want to actually just sure. sort of inter because this is sort of a this is more of a philosophical point. But people say all the time, freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences. But to be truly, to truly have free speech, you need to have some extent freedom from consequence. Now, yes, if you say something completely stupid, yes, people think think you're an idiot. But where you have like, where people are losing jobs and being like denied hotel rooms and stuff for certain denied Uber, denied Uber yes. for certain like rant like political beliefs and stuff, I'm like, that to some extent is a form of censorship. Because, like, I mean, you have freedom of speech technically in North Korea. It's just the consequences after are quite extreme. Yeah, what, what, yeah. Are, what are the consequences? Because it's, yes. well, when the, because that argument is made. If you go on Twitter, you will see these arguments. People, somebody quoting Voltaire, I will defend to the death your right to say it even if I disagree with you. Yeah. I screwed up that quote, but y'all know the quote. Mm -hmm. Freedom. Of speech does not mean freedom from consequences is the common response. It's almost like a programmed response among certain... Pavlovian. Pavlovian response yeah. among certain people. That's true, right? But they don't elaborate on what those consequences are. Is it really fair to... Because someone has a view that disagrees with you... Um, say you don't... you Say... We disagree with you, right? Mm-hmm. We can imagine. Say you think that apartheid is is uh, super evil, and it and Rhodesia was like super super apartheid, which is not not totally true. No, no. Rhodesia's <laughs> system was more moderate than yeah. the South African yeah. one by far. By far. But let's say you say it's super apartheid, and we're apartheid apologists, and we disagree with you, and uh, we control those cultural zeitgeist though, other way around, and we're like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you in your opinion. And we call Uber and we're like, this fucking guy, we, you know, is against the mainstream narrative of the week. And uh, you shouldn't do business with him because if you do business with him, it violates your, fuck your fucking terms and services. And we point out exactly where it violates the terms and services. He's like, he's inciting violence against us and because we control whatever the zeitgeist mm -hmm. happens to be at the moment. You get fucked. You get completely fucked. You can't use Uber. You can't get skip the dishes. You can't 
book hotels. <laughs> you yeah. can't get. That's the, the thing that's insane. Like, we do have sure. a social credit system to some extent yeah. over here. It's yeah. just, it operates just far less officially than the Chinese one. Now, it's obviously China's more like, no one's going to be thrown in. Well, well, not many people are going to be thrown in well, prison for political opinions over here. A few have been, but anyway. Yeah. The, um,. But, uh, yeah. Um, but as long as you're not actively promoting violence, inciting yeah. violence, violating laws, maybe not hate speech laws, but yeah. violating... As long as you're not, like, calling for the deaths of people, yeah. frankly, I'm I'm okay with whatever you're saying. I might not agree with it. I might think it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But we're not, I don't think there should be legal we're, or economic we're, punishment taken We're not, like, you. condoning brigading or anything either. Or yes, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, Because I, I've, just... been, I've been accused of brigading. Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll get into it because we've been rambling on for about two hours here. So we should talk about our situations and then we can wrap this up. But, like, I, I was doxxed, as you know. Mm-hmm. You've been doxxed. Yes. We've both been doxxed. My dox is more dramatic because I lost my job as a school teacher. And as a result, my army career was all fucked up and not going anywhere as a result of it. Despite the fact that, by the way, I was cleared of all wrongdoing. I was, I was accused of being a white supremacist because I appeared on a podcast with a guy who is a piece of shit. This... This fucking asshole didn't tell me that he's like a he's a he's a Holocaust denier. I'll say it now. He was a Holocaust denier. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know his podcast was kind of a networked into this. Um, at the time, I guess it was like a society of netizens. We're all white nationalists. I wasn't tracking like I'd I'd been under the understanding that his podcast would be. I thought his podcast would be about heavy metal. It's funny that I run a podcast now because it was that podcast that got me in so much trouble. And again, I thought it was fucking heavy metal. Dude told me he had something like 10,000 listeners. I think Fire Force Ventures had 500 likes on Facebook and no one bought anything from me. So I was like, oh, cool. So I'll, I'll advertise on you. And I didn't know it was all like a weird network he never saw my face because I don't think he would have interviewed me if he found out I was Chinese because he's a bit of a dink. He's yeah. a deadbeat dad, by the way. He's a real piece of shit. He's got a he's got a young daughter. He was in a trailer park and he doesn't pay any money to her. He spends all his money on like weird um, Nazi Nazi paraphernalia. It's like, dude, like fucking <laughs> pay your child support, you prick. But anyways, this guy is a total asshole. He's a total idiot. Doesn't know his history. But he invited me on, and he claimed to have this big following, so me being goofy went on, and unfortunately, I didn't do my research, and that's why I tell you guys, do your fucking research. Always do do independent research, whoever you talk to, and um, I understand trading up the chain works both ways, and sometimes it works in a way that you don't expect, because that's what happened to me. So, I wandered into the far-right extreme, and said what I needed to say, I never said anything too bad either. I was always, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty nuanced in my perspective, and I was just like, yeah, Rhodesia was a predominantly black country and stuff. And I was talking about Rhodesian history. I learned right away he was a he was a wignat, and I'm like, ah, I don't want to associate with you because I was a school teacher at the time. I was in the military. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with you. Delete the podcast, which he did, to his credit. But he had already disseminated it in his little community. 
and I had told him to delete the podcast about 48 hours after it had been published. He had disseminated it in his little community, and through that dissemination from the far right, went to got to the attention of the, the far, far left. left. Yeah, it's how fu- funny how trading up the chain works, right. uh, and um, it's, it's like a huge circular chain. It's psychotic, yeah. <laughs> and I was roped into it. Far left, uh, these guys... So first off, it got to the attention of a New York Times journalist, John Ismay, who, again, don't harass this guy. Like He's within his rights. He's an investigative journalist to do what he did. He wrote a kind of a naughty article about us and how we were... Uh, by us, I mean Fire Force Ventures, and how we were selling Rhodesian paraphernalia and its white supremacist. There was no evidence to back that up, so whatever. But it got the attention of the far left who used that article as a basis uh, with this podcast to weave this story that basically I was leading a cabal of uh, yeah. white nationalist... Yeah. Um, Your uh, gear was race. actually being used as yeah. training for a race war or something. Yeah, more or less, yeah. <laughs> and they said things that I didn't say in that article. Like, they, they completely, you know, they're, they're saying, like, I had been talking about race and IQ. Well, I didn't. The host did, and I didn't really mention it, right? You know, I was very careful with my wording because, again, at the time I was in the military and I was um, I was a school teacher, right? I was a public servant in every possible way mm-hmm. and pretty active in my community and I was a very straight-edged dude. And honestly, I wouldn't have gone on if I had known the, the full story, right? So I yeah. kind of got duped into it. Silly me. But from the far left, it this crazy article came out and it was like, it had my picture, it had my business, Fire Force Ventures, and it had, uh, he's on this podcast and it's so fucking evil and, and terrifying. And how is this guy receiving military training and all this stuff is yeah. a disgrace. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm hauled into, uh, my, my Colonel's office and I'm told I'm being suspended from the military. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's like a shitty Antifa fake newspaper. Like this is not a, this is a blog. Yeah. Right and uh, he was like, "Well, no, it's it's in the Globe and Mail, it's in Global News, it's in the mainstream media in Canada." All it said was, "I was on the White Nationals podcast." Doesn't didn't didn't mention anything else in the article. It kind of mentioned the web store. It just says linked to a White Nationalist web store or White Supremacist web store, Fire Force Ventures, and and uh, was on a White Nationalist podcast. By the way, they they said I was on this hour as eighty eight minutes. What, 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 yeah, I was never what is on even that. that? I, I was never on that podcast. I didn't even know that existed. I'd never heard of it. But that but because like the article the original Antifa article was written so poorly, they thought that was the one I was on, but I was actually on another one. I think it was called I I honestly don't remember what it was called because I just knew it as the guy's podcast. So I didn't know it was like Wolf Radio or something. But the like the main one that I was actually on wasn't even like it wasn't mentioned like I, I was like i didn't i wasn't on that podcast they used it because like they're like this podcast that hank was on hank from fire force ventures was on is similar to this podcast and the mainstream reported it as i was on the one that was similar to the you see how it works right yeah, it, yeah. it's this game of banana phone and it's weird it got traded all over this little tidbit of information got traded all over the place and uh well, long story short, I was um, at the end of my contract. Basically, the the school board did an investigation on me as well, where I was told we're, we're just not renewing your contract. This is too controversial. 
nothing really against you. No wrongdoing, no professional inquiry, but we don't want you back. Army career was fucked. I stuck I stuck through it for a few for two years and the well, year and a half basically, and a lot of investigations. I was found cleared of all wrongdoing until a certain political general decided to say he still disgraced the uniform despite being cleared of all wrongdoing, including disgracing the uniform, because that's like a, a potential charge. Yeah. Never court-martialed, but he made like a media statement because he's a political actor in his own way, right? And he wanted to get his little little bit in tra trading up the chain i feel like too because it's mm -hmm. you know internally because you could do that in an internally in an organization right if you want to get a message to the boss that you are ultra woke and you are ultra progressive and you are ultra like ahead of the trends mm -hmm. of what the media is doing then this is what you do you do stuff like this you make statements like this to the media which is what he did at the expense of my professional life and he made these statements and uh yeah i said i'm well I guess I'm not working for you anymore, asshole. So I don't work for him anymore. Mm -hmm. And he's still an asshole. I was a victim of that, of, of that mm -hmm. trading up the chain. Yeah, no, you're very much right. And it was, when it got to the point where it was in the mainstream, it was just, he was on a podcast. Canadian soldier appears on white supremacist podcast, and that's it. And uh, when I actually returned to duty, the media didn't even care. They didn't even really think about it because it was like, oh, he's returned. So there's no news story. This was nothing. This was a nothing burger. Yeah. Right? But internally, because he had made those statements, I would never get my job back as a teacher because my, teach my, um, my professional association was riding on the military's decisions and their actions as to what they do in the investigation. And uh, everything looked good until he decided, as soon as I returned back to duty, he was like, you disgraced the uniform, which I would fucking never do. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, I, I respect it very much because I respect military history. That would never be my intention. And, uh, yeah, I I got really fucked over by this. So, obviously, it's, it, means a, it means a lot to me right now when I, when I see it happening to other people. I see it now happening to historians. I see it happening to history itself. Yellow journalism. In the, in, in the case of, you know, the yellow journalism that hit me was uh, the... Very sensationalist, yes, evil yeah. soldier, and and they they bring out every academic they can find that'll support their narrative, and just to get the one word into the article, one article about me, that's all it took, yeah. and it ruined my professional life for quite some time. And honestly, I had to I had to go see a shrink. I had to rethink my whole life. All way, all for the best now, because um, I love what I do at Fire Force Ventures. I love this podcast. I love you, Bindu. Sometimes, <laughs> but. <laughs> It it does mean a lot to me to, to um, talk about this, and I, I know you. Uh... So yeah, I don't want to talk a lot about myself, but basically, I'm somebody you know who's uh, you know fairly fairly conservative and interested in history, and I've been uh, well. I'm a private citizen and never was associated with the military or anything, so I don't think anything ever said about me ever reached the fame that it did you. Um, I I've certainly gotten in trouble for you know certain uh, ideas I've held or statements I've made or certain people I've associated with. Uh, some, some, of the, uh, some of the attacks were fairer than others, but we I've were... certainly been the victim of bad press, we'll put it that way. Yeah. yeah. And you posted military history stuff on your, on your public Facebook, unfortunately. Yes, yes, unfortunately, yeah. You had a picture of a... <laughs> I'm like laughing thinking about this. 
You had a picture of a grenadier guard. <laughs> yeah, I had a picture of grenadier guard with the words "Fear God, Save the King" on it. Okay. Because apparently the British royal family is now a far right you organization. Had, you had the German. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah. Flag. Uh oh. Uh oh. From World War One. Yes, I had the, <laughs> the World War One German <laughs> sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh oh, are we going yeah. there? No, yeah. no, no. no. Yeah. It was actually I, it was that, very benign. Yeah. Naval Jack from World War One was it for? Well, how did you post it? Was it for like a naval anniversary? I think it was like Jutland. I, I or something, don't. I, I honestly don't remember what I posted okay. it for. Yeah. You posted once. I think it was like to celebrate. Like it was. It was like uh, Oktoberfest or something. Okay. So yeah, yeah, like, no, yeah. It was super like, benign. Like Germany, be you know, be good. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. You posted. A picture where you're playing with like a volleyball, yeah. But it, it was like superimposed with, with the, Rhodesian with army. Be a man, be a man of my bed again. That was yeah, which was Super not posted benign. in very seriousness or whatever. No, you're playing with the fucking ball volleyball. You don't even have a gun. Yeah, you don't. You're not in camo. You're like you're just playing like volleyball. Yeah, with some some chicks because you're you're a babe magnet. Apparently, yeah, and. Yeah, no, I was fucking like that a was drunk party that was like you yeah. inciting a call to war. <laughs> yeah. Despite the fact you've yes. never served in the military at that point, I don't think you've ever even shot a gun. That was an old picture. No, I had shot point, a gun, okay. but yeah, but, but you didn't own a gun. You no. didn't own any guns. You barely knew what a gun was. Yeah. And they're like, no, this guy's like, in this is a fucking war yeah, no, cry with his volleyball. Yeah, it was, it was all very. By the way, the, so the typical like the the so if you're not familiar with the "Be a Man Among Men" poster, yeah. right? That's the name of their podcast. That's what it comes from. It's comes yeah. from that Rhodesian Army recruitment poster. We're not going to mince words about it. Yeah, but it's it says "Be a Man Among Men" in this bold red font, and then right beside it is a soldier with an FNFAL rifle. He's patrolling. He's clearly a Rhodesian soldier. And it says that you too can like join this this army and be a man among men. Yeah. That soldier was not there with the gun. That aggressive no, looking soldier. It, no, it, was it was just you. the words, and there was like the Rhodesian yeah. lion and pickaxe. Yeah. yeah. And it was just your dumbass playing fucking volleyball, and yes. they're like, no, yeah, this is this is unacceptable. Yes. No. Yeah. yeah. There's and just stuff like that. Like I remember once I posted the uh, the Imperial Roman Eagle. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not the one from World War Two. The actual original yes. Senate Populus Scordus yes. UR one. If thank goodness it never got traded up. Right. It was just a little bit of yellow journalism on the part of an activist pretending he's a journalist. Mm. But say if it did get traded up, the mainstream would have just said militant right-wing extremist Bindu. Yes. Without the context, and then it would have gone the way up through a small town, like a so another bigger left-wing network perhaps, and then maybe a smaller local affiliate, a smaller newspaper reporter or whatever, and then eventually like CNN, the the Bindu, the, the leader of a right-wing militia network of extremist yes. Trump supporter yeah. fascists. Yeah. Um, Without the context of, like, what you had actually originally posted, which was just, like, benign, stupid shit that everybody posted Yeah, it was, like, it was dumb, like, it was, like, Poland ball memes yeah. type stuff, right? Well, they did call you a Zionist anti-Semite. Yes. Which was the funny, like, the best, <laughs> yes. yeah, the best just, thing I've ever seen. Yes. Let's just, see, yeah. if it, if it went to, uh, yeah. like, CNN. Yeah. Right? Um... Oh, no, 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 sorry. Let me think about it. What's like a... Okay, so yeah, anyway, sorry. Yeah, let's say CNN. 
it would be like you're an anti-Semite. They would just pull that part. So they, they called you as Zionist anti-Semite. They would just eventually pull out anti-Semite out of there. And no one anti-Semite Vindu, if it went to like, yeah. I don't know, Fox News or whatever, would be like Zionist apologist Vindu, right? It would. Well, like, no, Fox yeah. News probably would give me a medal on that. They're going to Israel. Well, but, well yeah. here's the deal. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exact. Fucking exactly. Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's that's what trading up the chain is. They there's little tidbits that because. Those journalists at these super mainstream outlets have to yeah. do their research. They have to pull from other sources. They can't go out and talk to thousands of people. They have to talk to people, other journalists that have done other reporting and, and get information and mm-hmm. just the nature of the game. I understand that's how you disseminate information, by talking to people. And you can't talk to everybody, right? We have awesome technology where you could theoretically talk to everybody. But there's not enough time in the fucking day. And they have deadlines. I understand it. Right? Quote-unquote professional journalists are not the ones that are intentionally trading up the chain. They're the ones that are reporting the information they get from below them in the chain. In the chain of events. And you very easily could have been reported in like two radically different ways. Yeah. Well, that's part of also the... And TL... TLDR, TLDR, I gotta make this point, TLDR, because you could have, and even me, I could have been reporting two different ways, I could have been like a racial champion of equality or whatever if certain thing, certain other things reported about me, right, which is not true, I don't think I am, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm like fucking Martin Luther King Jr., like, no, it's, it's, it's a meme, not, yeah. but I, I like, they, they could have made that argument based off of other things I said, but, they, you know, they didn't. But, like, for you, it was very extreme because they did literally call you a Zionist anti-Semite. Yeah. Right? And without any sense of irony. If one of those things got picked up, it would have just been picked up and they would have been happy. These, right. these little activists. And uh, that's that's what... That's why, because of the existence of yellow journalism and trading up the chain, when you're looking at military history, you've, you've got to be... Uh, you've got to be cognizant of... The fact that those exist, and that's how those industries work. The journalism works, academia works like that, media works like that. You have to understand that. But do your research. Yeah. Sorry, you, you had a point. I kept interrupting you. You have a, you have a final point. Well, I was just going to say part of the sort of this is a part of the tragedy of this kind of stuff is we're all public figures now because we're all online. And with social yeah. media, like, everyone's a public figure. Yeah. Even if you've deleted all your social media and don't want to be online or whatever, someone will have taken something of you and put it online. So you have a presence. There's no escaping the digital world these days. And because of that, I feel like one of the sort of um, tragedies of the modern world is people, you know, they say something politically incorrect or they say something controversial or whatever. They become... Like, first of all, elevated this national frenzy. Then one side hates them and the other side immediately embraced them as one of theirs. And a lot of people are basically pulled into this a non-violent war they don't want to be part of. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it, I think it's very harsh on individuals. Yeah. Because I know you. Like, you did not want to be part of this. No. Like a culture war battle in the military or whatever. No. You wanted to sell fucking Rhodesian clothes. And, the camel was and, Na- and NATO clothes. That's yeah. like, and East German clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was your whole, and like tell stories about the soldiers who wore all that kit. Like, yeah. 
you are not trying to, you know, make a political agenda. Well, here we are. And this yeah. is our world. Take everything with a grain of salt. Yes. And for the love of God, don't vandalize anything. Yes, please no no burning things or smashing things. I don't care what you did. Like some guy did it burned a totem pole in yeah. in revenge for what happened to no. uh, the statue. No. Just don't, don't. Just, yeah, just stop. Everyone just Let's chill. calm down and let's Everyone take a spliff this. and chill. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Alright. Well, that was a that was a fun conversation, I think. Yes. Maybe we'll do more because we could talk about it forever. Because we could should talk about like Dreyfus affair and Dreyfus affair. Now that's <laughs> yeah, that's that that is very related to military yeah. history. Yeah, we won't get into it now because we've yeah. already we've been talking for over two hours. Um, mm -hmm. and uh, this is pretty good for no real plan. Now we're gonna do this. Well, we did kind of have a plan. We're talking yeah. about uh, watch watch out for journalism and. and training up the chain it's your main message when when yeah. studying military history and, and don't let it die don't yeah. let it guy die guys and thank you thank you for listening to this whole like rambling two-hour podcast uh, much appreciated on our end um there are people out there that uh that are sneaky fucks just rambling online trying to get their word out and they have subscribe stars. <laughs> yeah. You have a subscribe star, right? Yes, we do. We you so you just did a little bit of work. Why don't you uh, why don't you get into that? Because I don't I have a business to I have another business to run. But you you change the goals? Yes. So we're very close to having um, we're hoping for our next goal to have a podcast out for you guys every two weeks. We know we've been kind of sporadic, sporadic for yeah. lack of a better word with the release schedule there's sometimes you guys are getting a lot of podcasts sometimes you guys are getting hardly any but um yeah no we're please kick some couple buckaroos our way and uh we will try and get more of these podcasts out to you yeah and i think if you do 25 bucks i let people into my buyers club which is yes cool. which it's means you get to um private private discord server private discord yeah. server you get to um Oh, what's it called? Uh, you get to watch these live and you gotta watch see the, the video un version now officially. Yeah, and see the unholy up. mess that is our yeah, trying to yeah, set up this yeah. thing, and then yeah. everything that gets cut. Anyway, yeah. Just... yeah, you get to watch us. You get to see who what we actually look like. But look at the camera, by the way. We have a camera. We have a video version, but that's yes. only for it's over there. It's over there. There's the camera. You get to actually see us on camera. As official, this is kind of like a new thing we're mm -hmm. doing. And we hope it works. We really hope it works for this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, watching us is kind of cool because you have kind of a cool set. I think it's a pretty cool set. I We've do. Got, like a World War II radio thing over here. Yes, we do. Uh, we have a we have a very cool Discord server as well that you'll have access to if you do over twenty five bucks of donation. Well, you know, we take like a one dollar donation too, right? It's called it's the tip jar. Yes. Yeah. That supports us a hell of a lot because um, mm -hmm. yeah. these are we we spend a lot of work, a lot of. Yeah. Man hours yeah. prepping and yeah, there's a lot of uh, editing and all that. This is fairly low cost to do, but it's very time consuming. Yes, yes, so and any, we do. Any support is appreciated. Yes. Lots of coffee. We have, we have groceries to buy and beer to drink. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, if it's over twenty five bucks, or you go on my website fireforceventures.com, you can always join our bars club where we have that uh, level two boosted Discord now, which is kind of cool. So. Two two 256 kbps voice chats and stuff we talk about all things military history rhodesia gaming lifestyle basically a little man cave yeah 
for uh, Fire Force Ventures fans, and uh, you can obviously watch this podcast live there. You can always support my website, fireforceventures.com, as well, just by buying surplus military stuff or doing um, an order, a pre-order for the Rhodesian Brushstroke and 3-2 Battalion Kit I have available at present at the time of recording this. So we're recording this on the 13th of July, 2021. I don't know if it'll still be around if you're listening to this podcast. So uh, if it is still around, you should probably get some if you haven't already. I sell out very quick, mm-hmm. as, I, as I joked about earlier. And, uh, yeah, do you have anything else to plug there, Bindu? Well, we always uh, like to plug our good friends at Commando Blog, Mm -hmm. who run a fantastic website with all sorts of articles and a couple other podcasts as well. We should talk about, you know, guns. Guns Guns. are cool. Guns, guns, I kind of like guns. But also they talk about outdoor uh, outdoor sports, outdoor lifestyles, tactical gear. 3D printing. 3D printing. Basically, if you like anything... uh, Related to woods, or weapons, or yeah. you know manly stuff, you like Commando blog. <laughs> Commando with a K. Commando with a K. K M K O M M A N D O blog dot yes. Commando with a K, and uh, you should be able to listen to us there. Yeah, you may be listening to us there now. Yes, and of course, uh, you may also be listening to this podcast on iTunes, where you can always find us. Our website, menamongmenstories.com, or um, uh, where, where's the other one? Spotify? On Spotify yet? No. Okay, we will hopefully get on Spotify soon. Yes, we're having some trouble yeah. getting we're, on Spotify. We're hopefully very soon, and maybe you will be listening to it by then uh, on, a, what is it, the Google Google Podcast or whatever. For yes. all, our, all our Android people out there, like me, because yeah. I'm not an Apple shill like you. If anything, anybody should be cancelled. Should you then do for supporting Apple? <laughs> your laptop's an Apple. Your phone's an Apple. Yes. Well, I'm going to turn you into an Apple. User, user, I, user friendly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for all of our Buyers Club fans out there, all of our homies that have uh, supported us and those that have tipped, much appreciated. Goes a long way in helping us do this little passion project of ours. Uh, for all of our many, many dear friends who are veterans, or active duty, military, law enforcement, big shout out to you guys for giving us the right and preserving the right to talk about what we talk about and especially relevant to yeah. uh, to this podcast. And also well. all the, the good historians and good journalists out there exactly. who do objective work and don't exaggerate and, you know, don't grind a political axe in your face yeah and yeah. Uh, despite my docs and all the nasty stuff that has happened to me in the past and all the nasty stuff that's happened to you bindu um it's folks like you that uh that really do keep us going so pull up grab a chibouli and have a very nice day guys see you next time